Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit ChildAndFamilyResourceNetwork.org today. Being a parent can be really challenging. It's normal to feel uncertain about whether you're doing the right things to raise healthy and happy children. That's why Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them build confidence in their parenting journey. Everyone deserves to have someone they can turn to for support with parenting. Visit ChildAndFamilyResourceNetwork.org today. Special Operations Covert Ops Espionage The Team House With your hosts Jack Murphy And David Park Hey guys, we are live. This is the Team House, episode 96. We are here with Mike Edwards for round two. Uh, we had him on a few episodes about uh, three months ago now, so uh, you guys should go and check that one out as well if you haven't seen it yet, but we were more than happy to have him back for a second time. Also joining us tonight is his lovely wife, Kendall, who who probably made this episode happen. It probably wouldn't happen without her because we had some technical issues in the run-up to this. Um <laughs> <laughs> We're very happy he got straightened out. Here's co-host Dave Park. D is producing tonight. And uh, before we roll into this episode with uh, with Mike and his lovely wife, um, Mike, who served in, we served together in 3rd Ranger Battalion, then he served in the Regimental Reconnaissance Company, and as a freefall instructor out at the uh, the Halo course. Um, but before we get into all that, uh, I think we have a word from our sponsors. Yeah, we have a great sponsor tonight, and it's really good. So our sponsor tonight is Boyke. That's B-O-I-K-E-Y-S, and it's Biltong. Now, I don't know if you guys have heard of Biltong, but it's basically, in a way, the South African yeah, it's really good. version of beef jerky, but it's better than beef jerky. Beef jerky is kind of slow-cooked and dehydrated, where Biltong is kind of cured. Uh, it's very tender, and the uh, the founder of Biltong, or of Boyke's, uh, is actually Tim Stapleton, who was a professional hockey So I imagine the reason he created, you know, or... Created his own brand of biltong instead of beef jerky. It's on the like, go. All of his buddies were hungry. They're like, we're hungry, but we're hockey players. We had no teeth, you know? <laughs> um, and beef jerky is just, you know, so rough, you know? Uh, and and the biltong is very tender. Um, now, if you go to boykies.com, B-O-I-K-E-Y-S.com, and use Team 25, you get 20% off your first order. Now, Jack and I have been... 25% off your first order. Is it 20? Yep, 25%. Okay. Now, Jack and I have eaten the hell out of this. Uh, they have their regular, and then they have their chili. Do you mm -hmm. have a preference? I like the chili. Yeah, I like the chili, too. Uh, the regular is really good. Um, there are no preservatives in it, other than vinegar and salt. Uh, there's no sugar. More protein than beef jerky. 
uh, less sodium. Again, no sugar. You guys should try this out. I, have you guys had biltong? I haven't tried it yet. I've I've heard of probably a different version of it before um, from you know foreign guys overseas, but uh, I've never actually had it before. Yeah, hockey players don't have a lot of teeth sometimes, you know, because they get in fights. So if it's tender and it works for them, it should work for us. Exactly. <laughs> it melts in your mouth. It melts in your mouth. Um, so if you have tender teeth or you just crave some good protein, um, there's, I think, like 32 grams of protein per. Dang. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, it's good. Um, but anyway, try this out. It really is delicious. So, guys, uh, we have the same question we ask all of our guests first off. We asked you in the first episode, Mike, you know, about your origin story. I think for this episode, I'd much rather hear about Kendall's origin story in, the, in your guys' story of how you met, how, how she became an Army wife, and how you, you took this journey together. I, I'd like to hear that side of it this time. Okay. Well, I'm from Columbus, Georgia. Um, I'll be 34 on Tuesday. And um, I did hair. I still am a master cosmetologist. So um, growing up in Columbus, Georgia, my parents always said, stay away from the military guys. They will take you away from home. I'm like, okay. So I dated a couple, like one other ranger. I dated him, but I never knew what a real ranger was till this guy walked in. <laughs> and honestly, I did not know. He sat in my chair. He had a beard and like longer hair. I was like, there's no way this guy's in the army. And like, it just, from there, it just, it just happened. And so he told me he was in the army. I was like, no way. I just thought he was a country boy. You know, he fooled me. <laughs> Kendall, just so you know, we never knew what a real ranger was either until we met Mike. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. <laughs> so we've been married oh going God. on 10 years in December. Um, and we happened really, really fast. And we've been through a lot of trials and tribulations. It is not easy being married to a special operations guy. Let me just tell you, um, you know, it, it, there's such a high volume of divorce in, mm -hmm. in that community. And um, I just, I'm a warrior to keep on going. And God also has helped me through it, prayers. And, you know, so I give it to the glory to God on that one. And so... You know, especially when he retired, going through the VA system, it was a rigmarole to say the least. And um, I just remember it, there was paperwork got all messed up or whatever. But um, I've seen this guy like just—he's a bad to the bone guy. I'll say that. I'm glad <laughs> to be married to a ranger and I feel protected. That's for sure. Did so. did he ask you out of the first time that it, it, like uh, like how how did that happen? He just sat down and you chair and you put your hands on his curly locks <laughs> so what had happened was he first came in he didn't say me that and like i was dating somebody else at the time and uh he just started talking okay i'm gonna get real i'm gonna be like i'm an honest person but he's like yeah it's just so hard to date around here these girls there's something so i was honestly gonna set him up with my friend rachel and it really honestly never worked. They never went out. They never talked. And then he saw we were Facebook friends. And so Facebook gets a lot of negative, but I'm going to say it helped me out. We, we got together on Facebook because he saw I was going like I was single. So he hit me up and he's like, Hey girl, uh, <laughs> do you do private haircuts? <laughs> Kid you not. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I don't really know this dude that well. So 
anyways, we all went to eat Mexican. And like, I just remember, um, he came, my sister and a few other people and people, my uh, sister was like, he just is like into you so much. So anyways, I ended up giving him that private haircut and he came in the garage and I just remember him taking a shirt off. And y'all, this is when, not that he's not still muscular, but like he was in RRC and he was like shredded. And I'm like, look at, like, I've never been like with a real man before. This is like, <laughs> Now, I think what Jack wants to know is, is Rachel still single? Uh, I, one more time. Rachel, that was your friend that you were going to set him up with? Yeah. It, yeah. We're asking for Jack, is Rachel still single? No, uh, my, my question no, was, she, do, do we have any... Now. I, w- I was going to ask if we have shirtless pictures of Mike that I can add to my col- personal collection. Um, no, but that, that, I don't know, that's a little weird. <laughs> uh, this is when he used to drive when we were dating... His muscles right here, y'all, you think Papa? I mean, like, it was just like, I was just over here drooling, like, God, you know, he got me. He got me. So what, what did your, uh, what did your parents think? Did they think, would it, did they, were, were they against it? Cause they thought he's going to take you away. Uh, well, we happened really, really fast. And, um, when I told, well, well you know, I was, so I'll add a little bit into that. So. We met, and I was getting ready to deploy again, so we hung out. She came and gave me a haircut, and then we stayed in touch over, like, email and stuff, so I'd email her from time to time. They couldn't get while me out of And then um, kept talking to her throughout that, came back from that deployment. You know, I was, at, at the time, I was, I think I was a single E8, you know, making tons of money You're and nothing to, nothing to spend it on. Okay, I was E7. Single E7, tons of money, nothing to spend it on, so I came back, bought a big penthouse down on the beach, and Took her down there for like a week and uh, he wine and dined her. And then he worried me after that. We, you know, we kept in touch and then we ended up uh, dating for a while and then got married pretty quick and then had our daughter. And she will be nine, nine next week. Yeah, my birthday's the first, hers is the second. Oh, it's this is unreal, you know. And it's uh, this I'm like actually really happy to hear this because it's like one of those fort benning columbus georgia success stories that you don't hear so often you don't hear so often so it's actually really cool um and you know i i I would be interested to ask you you know um, both of you but especially kendall there's something about army wives that i didn't really understand myself until i got out of the military and, and doing you know as a reporter i interview so many people including military wives and i had a, a special forces wife tell me you know, when you're an SF wife, and I'm sure it's a Ranger wife also, it's there's so much you have to do because you have to be the mother and the father and also everything else in between. I just wonder if you could comment, especially as a, as a mother, as a, as a wife, um, and, and everything else you have going on in life. I mean, how was that? How, how were you able to manage all of those things together, all these different roles? Well, you learn really fast, like, crap always hits the fan when your man's deployed i mean you gotta take care of a bill you call well is mr edwards available to say that you can speak no he's not he's deployed like you run into several issues and uh so that's one thing and then you've got to learn how to work a weed eater and you're just out there and look i don't i I'm just cussing. Hey, to- hey, she can she can drive a zero turn more mower. She can drive a Kubota M seventy sixty with a front end loader. 
Yeah. She can drive a trailer with a truck on it, or, you know, with a huge trailer and, and a, tr a tractor on the back of it. So she's a straight farm girl now. But you really have to learn because, like, of course, my family was in Columbus, Georgia, so I had help. But when we mm -hmm. moved to Yuma, Arizona, I had really nobody. And, like, his schedule was so busy or whatever. So it was really hard for the first time being without my family. For how long were we out there? Like, four years? Three and a half. Three and a half. It felt like four y'all. Uh, anyways, um, so... You know, I'm just used to doing things myself instead of asking for people to help me out and uh, like loading groceries and people ask if I need help. I'm like, no, I got this. And I know it doesn't look like I lift weights. I got it, bro. I'm a farm girl. You know, so. you know it, it's interesting because, um, you know, I was married twice while I was in the military. And, and I think that that. People don't understand that it's actually easier for the people being deployed because because we're doing what we what we want to do. We're doing what we love to do. And and you're busy and this and that. You're not the person that is home still trying to hold down the fort, maintain the life, worry, uh, you know, about their safety and, and, and welfare. Um, it, it's yeah you're out there living the life meanwhile the family's back home like they don't is he alive is he dead is he on a right. mission yeah. is he in the base you, the you know part. yeah that's yeah. the key thing too because like for us you know there's times where i didn't have i couldn't call home oh, um gosh. the entire time and it was like we had wi-fi so i could message i messaged over the ipad that's about it um but yeah i mean you're right we get the fun side of the game you know we're over there hunting down killing bad guys or the dream job that we ended up doing and, uh, and then we don't really necessarily, especially when we're young, we don't think about the consequences that right. come with that. And but we're then, back home, like, sick on our stomach or having a virus, and we still have to take the kids to school. You know, it's like, oh, suck it up, buttercup. And I will say a lot of it, like, their mentality is, you know, y'all's mentality, take a pill, what is, drink some water and have an ibuprofen, get over yeah, it. Me, so me face it's out. really yeah. hard as a military wife when you ha your husband has that mindset is, like, they don't it's hard when you don't have compassion and that's been a lot of our like uh struggles with that. Yeah. So but I think he's getting it. Um but I've been there for him and like I will continue to be there for him through thick and thin. That's what I took that vow for. Now, yeah, she's got my back, that's for sure. She's definitely a ranger wife. Um like if I, you know, some something bad happened, I had to like take somebody out, she'd help me hide the body. So I know she's got my back. She's loyal. Listen though, let's not go there. No. <laughs> I don't you know, uh, let's, let's not cross that bridge. We have to, because yeah. I don't want to. She's my partner in crime, though. But she's uh, she's definitely got my back. But you're right; it makes it easier because we don't have to worry about bills. You yeah. know, it, not just her, my mom too. Uh, when I was single, she my mom took care of my bills for me while I was gone. Um, you know, I'd give her a power attorney, and then I'd take off and never have to think about anything. You know, it's like we got to go on a vacation. That's the way I looked at deployment. It's like a vacation. You're over there crushing the gym, eating amazing food. Um, you know, sometimes, sometimes in crappy locations, but, but being able to pick what you eat and choose when you eat and then just going out hunting bad guys and then just working out constantly. Yeah. Um, no wonder they get to come home. They'll, they'll get buff or whatever. And we're still like having that baby bump, you know, <laughs> trying to go away. Yeah. It, it's, um, kind of out of curiosity, I have to know your first impression, the first time you hung out with his buddies, your first night out with the Rangers. Well, team, team three. Well, yeah, team three. There wasn't a whole lot of wives on that team, and I wondered why. And it was because they were always go, 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 busy, busy, busy. They didn't have time for it. So um, these guys, they all were in phenomenal shape. 
um, just like athletic and very smart guys. So, um, so they I weren't drunk. Like, I never knew this existed, you know? Yeah. They weren't drunk the first time you hung out with them? No, they weren't Ranger Battalion privates. These were like, by this time, what, E6s, E7s? <laughs> right. Yeah, and I was, I mean, when, when we met um, and started dating, I was already in RRC, so it was, like, really late in my career. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, everybody that she's meeting is E7s or E8s, you know, for the most part, and real professional guys. Yeah, we had some drinks and had a good time, but we were all real professional about it because, you know, you have a lot more risk at that point, Dom. Yeah. 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 I didn't see any bad behavior there. Fortunate. Uh, here, we got a question for you, I think, Mike, uh, unless you want to take this, Kendall, since you're a farm girl. Uh, did you guys train in uh, print and blood tracking? I guess she's talking about, like, tactical tracking. Uh, if so, did you ever use that skill during your career? Um, yeah, we did We did train in the tracking stuff. Uh, we actually got a really cool school out in, in, in um, Hawaii on the Big Island called TTOS, Tactical Tracking Operations School. And uh, it's really cool. The reason they do it on the Bing Island because you can track in like a savanna grassland type environment, track in the tropical rainforest. You can track in a desert type environment. Um, and then also like really rocky terrain. And I did use that a lot, actually. Uh, you People probably didn't know it, but, you know, learning how to pick up tracks and stuff like that. You know, we later in the war, we started having issues with IEDs or, or pressure plates. Guys were walking in. You know, we weren't doing a lot of convoys. We are flying in and walking the target. So guys were stepping on these little pressure plates and these trails. So what I, what I used those tracking skills for legitimately in the war was at nighttime, I'd use my laser sometimes. If, if it was a congested or odd-looking area, I'd use my laser to shine it on the ground and cast a shadow over tracks so I could see where the foot traffic was. And I just made sure I walked where the other foot traffic was um, because there would be odd little spots that would just be completely bare of foot track traffic. So I tried to stay away from those spots. And I think it saved my, you know, my legs at least, you know, for that time period. Uh, but yeah, it was really handy. Um, and there were other guys that used it to track down uh, bad guys, blood trails, you know, after engagements and find them and kill the rest of them. So it was a handy skill to have, but now it comes a handy hunt. Yeah. No, y'all, I, he has taught me a lot of stuff about gun handling um, I remember the first time I went hunting with my rifle, he cussed me out. Like, legitly, I handled it wrong. I wasn't holding it up or holding it down. I was just pointing like, to my back. Hey, guys, I got a rifle, you know. Yeah, I was wrong about that, you know. But now, shoot, I, I go up in the woods by myself and get in the tree stand and all that good stuff. You know, he's taught me a lot of stuff. Now, I will tell you, though, I get lost in the woods. <laughs> So he, we can go deep in the woods. He, he always knows where he's at and can get us out. I remember one time calling him. I tried to do this. I'm so sorry. I let you down. You know, can you come help me and get out of here? Because I don't know where I'm at. That is so bad. Like my direction's bad. Land have no go right now, Mike. Yeah, no go. Yes, yeah, she is. If she could navigate. I could probably get her doing some side surveillance work and make a little bit of money, but she doesn't know how to navigate. She's got a good eye for surveillance. He tells me I should be, I could totally do reconnaissance. She would be good at it. She's a natural. She's got a natural eye picking up, you know, that stuff that's just a little bit off, you know? Yeah. I, I don't pay attention to it. I, I miss it. And she'll harp on stuff all the time, like whatever, whatever. And then I start paying attention. Yeah. I got good intuition. Right. Yeah, she's got good intuition. For sure. Oh, let's see. This dude here. Mr. Uh, the Barracks, uh, he says, 
Oh, actually, he's saying you deserve all the credit for your hard work, Team House. I thought he was going to say you deserve all. You two deserve all the hard work, <laughs> all the credit for your hard work. Uh, seriously, a uh, question for Mike: Army ISA or TFO versus RRC? Um, and also, he's asking: Have you ever worked with JTF two? Yeah. So um, I think is JTF two the same as what we used to call Cansoft? Uh The Canadians, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I worked with those guys um, in '07, uh, and I think that was pretty much the only time I worked with them was in '07 down in Kandahar. Um, but as far as like uh, that other organization, those guys are talking about, I never worked there. I know guys that did work there. They did a lot of similar stuff to what we did, but they really focused in areas that we didn't focus in, and we focused in areas that they didn't focus in. So had a lot of overlap. But those guys were more um, in a in a different aspect of the job than we were. We did that as well, but then um, in other aspects, we kind of have more overlap in that direction or more focus in that direction. Whereas, but we all still overlap in the middle. We got a good organization. There's some good, a lot of good guys there. One of my good buddies is up there. Actually, runs their free fall program. It's so funny these acronyms. I start learning what he's talking about, like decoding those as a wife for so many years. You know? but, but you don't even know. Um, I just came from Fort Polk. We've been training there, like working with the regular army guys. And the regular army has a lot more acronyms than we ever dreamed of having. Uh, I learn new ones every single day. What the heck is that? You know, but I, I guess we just don't use a lot of acronyms in the Ranger Regiment, uh, at least compared to what the, the army does. It's, yeah. It was uh, shocking. Kind of how, how long did it take you to start like picking up the lingo and, and the, you know, uh, the jargon and understanding what was going on? Well, I will say, like, you want the saying you learn something new every day is totally, it's legit. Um, but through the years, like, I think I, I picked up on it, or like at Yuma, they would talk about it or whatever. And I would go, I did hair out there in Yuma. So I cut like all the, we, we uh, were around a lot of SF and Air Force guys out there. So um, they all, they always chatted her ear off in the My chair, God. you know what I mean? So, I would know something before he would know. She would. Like, oh, Sergeant Major's going to do this. Like, I always got <laughs> all, like, the good stuff, about that. all the good juicy stuff. Yeah. Like, I'm telling you, I'll, like, being a hairstylist is like a psychiatrist, I guess. Yeah. Or a bartender. Uh, Anatoly asks, how much did your shooting proficiency go up in RRC? Was there a big focus on advanced marksmanship? Oh, yeah, significantly. Um, I shot a lot of rifle before going there. Um, and then when I got there in the OTC pipeline, we did a lot of pistol shooting with uh, Jerry Barnhart and uh, got really good. Good, interesting story there. And, and um, a good friend of mine can confirm that this is true. But uh, in our OTC pipeline, a, a buddy of mine, Dan, I won't say his last name, but he was a really good shooter, better shooter than me. We actually both beat uh, Jerry Barnhart momentarily during OTC. And Jerry, being as dedicated as he is, shot all during the lunch break to beat us and set his own new record, basically. So, like, we held the record against Jerry. We both beat him for, like, 10 minutes. And then he just ruled us after that. Um, but we got to do a lot of shooting, uh, pistol shooting. I mean, we, we shot enough to where I actually broke a Glock during that course. I'd like um, to ask shooting pistol. that. Legitly, like, I really started seeing more of his skills when we came to the land. And this is before we okay. built our house. Um, we were living in a camper, waiting to build our house, whatever. And um, there was this dog, at, well, coyote, whatever. It doesn't matter. 
whatever it, if it's wild, it was a wild dog was looking aggressive mike thinks with his brain not with his, with his heart literally i saw him turn the corner and like but like got fast the thing was dead and i'm like god he is a bad to the bone dude like excuse my language he's a badass you know, I'm like, wow. It's because we were we were standing in our camper, and I saw this dog creeping up. I heard our dog barking, at it, and I shot I shot it with a 22 Magnum bolt gun. But I, I'm a righty, and I sh I shot it left handed because I knew if I exposed myself, it would bolt. It was, so I just popped out, and I had to be pretty quick because he had already gotten away once. Uh, he didn't get away that time. He's taught me too, like when he's on business trips and stuff. I've had to get the AR and uh, pop a dog and i didn't want to i love dogs now he's like if you can't kill a dog you can't kill somebody that's intruding let this be a warning yes i can humans intend me harm or figure home into my house i will drop you but a dog you know my heart's for dogs anyways well that's the only thing about living out in the country is there's i think there's people that drop off uh problem dogs lots of pit bulls mm, and they're yeah. extremely aggressive and they'll come up and start attacking our dogs or, or you know, our animals. And right. I, we try to run them off. And eventually, you just got to take care of business. But I jammed an AR. I don't know how you do that. I mean, he's never taught me how to shoot and, like, with moving targets. But I did get that dog in the paw, and it ran into the woods. And Mike came home three days later and found it and took care of it. But, I mean, I've had to learn how to do tough things. <laughs> Like I've had to learn how to ranger up, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I No, I believe it. And, you know... Because of your, you know, your, your accent or your, you know, your, you know, your Southern charm there. I think that a lot of people would kind of assume that you're from the country, but Columbus, Georgia is not the country at all. Totally. I was a city girl. Okay. I was like, you're moving. First of all, you moved me to the desert. Okay. Yuma, Arizona, <laughs> middle of nowhere. There's some area 51 kind of stuff going on out there. Like Mexico is what? 25 minutes away. Yeah, roughly. It's hot, y'all. It's so hot. And then he moves me back to the middle of nowhere. And I'm like, at first, I was really mad about it. But then I start seeing what's going on in the world. And, like, um, that's my safe oasis. And I love it. It is, if you guys ever need a trip, you got to come visit us. It's, you get rejuvenated out there. Rewind, realigned. Yeah, if you ever go to the Panhandle, to, uh, you know, Florida's most beautiful beaches or to South Alabama, swing by our way because we're right on the way. We're just right close to the beach out in the middle of nowhere in the country. And we live a little peaceful life, have our own little chickens. Uh, we've got our own garden, all that kind of stuff. So yeah. it's peaceful and so we, super, awesome. we really enjoy it. She, she enjoys it now, too. The city girl had to get her out. And, like, he leaves a good majority of the time, but I'm very comfortable with a gun. He's taught me well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Caleb asks, I know the CIA must have reached out to you. Would you tell us about the common pipelines to the CIA from the military? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't know, like, what people would want out about that stuff. But yeah, I, I know people there and I actually was planning on going to do go work there for a little bit um, as I retired. But, you no, know, no, I said no. she, she started me being gone all the time. So I decided to stay home and, you know. I actually went through the process, ran into a little hiccup for a second, was was going to finish up. But I got so busy doing work on my own, doing the contract stuff, that, you know, it wasn't worth going back at it. And then at that point in time, she's like, you know what, maybe you just shouldn't do it anyway, because um, you're home more and you're actually making pretty dang good money being home. So yeah, that's what I just gave it up. But, you know, it's always one of those things that I always wanted to do, you know, did some work with those guys overseas and stuff. And then 
um always wanted to do that stuff but you know but I, you I, found, I found what i enjoy and, and i'm doing it now so. i mean he did the same thing in the reconnaissance company honestly what do i know that i'm a wife i don't know i'm not supposed to know that stuff i don't have a security i mean she's she's not completely wrong though either i mean there there's some truth yeah. to that that during the war um everyone kind of got like all the you know all the colors of the task force and oga got kind of put into a bowl and mixed up you know and true. ended up kind of doing the same jobs everybody's just doing everything yeah so, that's true to, to a certain it, it extent really was there was overlap in, in really every field um and, and I, I did work with those guys a lot and there's guys that work with them a lot still uh, and it was great to, to be with those guys. And there's a lot of great guys there that came from, you know, different units that we all worked in, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, on that note, can you talk a little bit about the kind of work you're doing now, uh, doing contracting? Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, so um, I, I've kind of slipped away from the uh, the free fall stuff. You know, that was having me travel a lot, too. And uh, I guess it's hard on the body as well. Um, I do miss it, and I really enjoy training those guys. Um, but but what I'm doing now, it's, it's kind of like a little bit more of the big picture piece of it. Uh, we we develop, test, and evaluate equipment for, for the Army, um, regular Army, special operations, everything. It's a good company. I love this company. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good company. I, I'm super blessed to be with this company. They take really good care of us. Uh, it's a it's a small company, and I mean, the you know I've, yeah I talked about it last time, but it's called ACI Augustine Consulting Inc. And uh, they're great people. All all the people in the chain of command are super supportive of us. Of us. Um, they've taken good care of us, and, and I enjoy the job. Our team is is phenomenal. We've got um, a lot of Rangers on the team, and, and we've got uh, a guy that that wasn't a Ranger, but he's probably one of the most squared away guys on our team. He's been with the company for a while. Um, but yeah, it's a great team. I enjoy the the work. Um, some of the programmatic stuff of it, you know, it's always like that with different things. Um, can be a hassle at times, but yeah, can't complain. When uh, you know, there used to be this huge disparity in gear between you know the tier one units and tier two units, tier three, and the conventional army. Is that is that kind of going away? Where even the conventional army now has, I mean, stuff that works a, a lot, you know. Things that work and yeah, um, that's the case. Uh, yeah, there, there's there's a big push to modernize the army with every aspect of technology they have, and you know it takes a lot longer. It's a much bigger force. It costs a lot more money to do it, um, and the, the testing has to be a lot more significant because you're, you're buying a bigger, larger purchase before you give it out. Uh, you know, where it's like special operations, you're you're not going to buy a huge purchase. So if you have some flaws in there, you kind of tweak it in the next batch. Um, but yeah, they're, they're getting some good stuff now. They're getting dual tube nods, um, like, uh, like, like we all had for the, the entire war pretty much, but they're getting, they're getting it now. Um, some really good technology that's above and beyond what we even had in soft when I was there. Um, I'm sure they have something similar now, but, um, really good stuff. They, they're getting some great technology. The army's, um, spending this money in the right spots to try to sort, sort these guys out and get them the best kit. I mean, they're starting to get better body armor. A uh, lot better body armor, better helmets, 
better night vision. I mean, just all in all better kit. And, and I'm glad to see it happen. Like I was talking to one of the platoon sergeants out there. I said, you know, the, the way I see it is if we have an army, you know, we should determine our num our numbers off of how we can outsource these guys. Because, you know, yeah, special operations, it costs more to train us to get us to that level. So you want to protect us and give us the best kit. But is my life any more valuable than this regular army dude that's an 82nd Airborne or whatever? No, it's not. That guy deserves just as good a kid as the, that we have. Right, the same war. So if we have an army that's so big that we can't give all these mm -hmm. guys the greatest equipment, then we should probably slim it down right. and actually have a, you know, a more fit, more elite, more squared away army as a whole rather than a ton of people that are running around on ragtag equipment. Yeah, right. That's my opinion. Uh, Alejandro uh, says, I was talking with Felipe P. He wanted me to ask you to tell the story about uh, the walk to your objective on the first FTX and OTC RTC minus the SEER part. How lost were y'all? And was it really your point man's fault? Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park, or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum, restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. You can save an extra $10 when you spend 40 or more on a great selection of participating items. Just look for the signs and save at Baker's. I don't even know what he's getting at with that one. Um, his TBI, he's forgetting. Yeah, but but I do know it was a crappy walk, and it was um, you know that was the one the one he's talking about was in the summertime. Um, I'm thinking more of the wintertime. But yeah, it was a crappy walk. We walked and walked and walked. Actually, the picture that that you that I sent you, one of the, the tiles I sent you, you said that's a really small rucksack that you're carrying. <laughs> that was on that mission. <laughs> his his rucksack's like big enough to fit me and Dave in. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it was huge. I think uh, no, I didn't carry the heaviest ruck on that one because I was in the RTO. But um, but it was still. I mean, all of us were towed. I think Jason Granger, who you know passed away a few years ago, a great buddy of mine, great Ranger buddy, one seven five dude. He actually worked at the Free Fall School, and then he's the one that kind of made me want to kind of go to the Free Fall School on the way out. But but Jason, uh, I think was the RTL on that mission, so he was probably towing a, a ruck weighing close to one hundred twenty pounds. And, and those mountains up there in eastern <clears throat> eastern Washington State, it's kind of like the Appalachians. Obviously, you're further, much further north. But it's similar terrain, except it's a little bit more arid, more kind of like piney, like ponderosa pine type stuff, like, uh, like out west. But it's still some significant terrain. That dude beasted that rock the whole way. And just for the people who are listening who might not be familiar with everything we're throwing around, OTC is the operator training course. Uh, or, uh, it's... It's the, the train up phase when you get into RRD and kind of it's still part of it's it's still a selection phase, um, uh, RRC I guess did I say RRD mm -hmm. anyway? Old, yeah, I'm old. Um, and then when he uh, when he says uh, RTO, he's talking about the the radio guy, the radio radio telephone operator, radio yeah. telephone operator, yeah. yeah. Um, who right, right in, in addition to all the gear that everybody else is carrying is also carrying a radio which. Weighs which a weigh lot. a lot. Um, so yeah. when you're the RTO, 
you're, you're kind of hating life. Yeah. You got the heaviest pack out of everybody, that's for sure. Oh, I've um, heard about that before. Hey, girl, you want to lose some weight? Put on a rope. Let's go. I'm like, <laughs> you always go. I have to remind him. I'm a female. I'm not a ranger. And I'm not one of these females that wants to go to ranger school. Okay. But maybe I should go there to, like, if I want to tone up a lot, you know. But I've heard the stories, like, again, no compassion when you're working out. I can't work out with him because he wants to kill me. Right. He's like, suck it up. Yeah, I mean, I'm just used to that. Like, well, we did the Cambrian Patrol. I don't know if I did, did. I talk about that last time? If so, I don't want to talk about it this time. I don't recall. And, Please do. Please talk about it, even if you did. Okay, so we did, um, when I was on Team 3, we did the Cambrian Patrol. And it's in Wales. Um, it's it's in the area called Brecon's Beacons. It's where the SAS does mm -hmm. their selection and stuff. And, uh, you know, we send a team every year, if we can, when I was in RRC. But it, kind of like hit or miss like every other year maybe a team will go and you compete against teams from all over the world uh from british guys british infantry british you know special ops special ops and infantry guys from all over the world i mean hundreds of different countries and uh you basically walk about 55 miles i think it is with about an 80 something pound ruck so not super heavy uh but but a tactical rock with your food in it and, it, and you have to do it's kind of like eib at the same time which eib is like expert infantryman's badge for those that don't know um it's a test to learn uh to prove that you're proficient in a certain levels or set of skill sets so we did that we did like a tactical reconnaissance we did like a clear a mind wire obstacle we had to evac a casualty which you know i i pride myself on being able to pick up a lot of weight and like carrying it but so when I went to RRC, I realized that all the extra muscle that I was toting is probably not the best thing to have. So I started trimming down and trying to lean up and like ditch a little muscle as well as well as lean up um, because you're, you're carrying that kind of weight. You have to have efficiency to be able to cover that distance. You got to be like Clydesdale, you know, or like a greyhound, not like a you know like a like a, a panther or a cheetah. So anyway, um, uh, we we go out and do the camping patrol. We're cruising out there. And uh, I go to pick this dude up, and, and this casually is like a British soldier who actually lost his legs in combat. And then he's got body armor on, not to mention the dude's the stockiest man I've ever seen in my life. So he's like, he's like this wide. So I'm like, I got this guy. Mind you, I got to pick him up with my rucksack on, right? So I try to get this dude up. I swear my intestines are about to blow out my guts, <laughs> blow out the front of my stomach. I'm like, God, dog. So dudes helped me get this dude up, and I'm carrying him. This dude is so heavy with full kit on. I mean, the dude was as, as wide as he was tall. I mean, mind you, he's missing his legs, uh, or at least from the knee down. So, And one of them was completely gone, so he's lopsided weight-wise as well. So I get this dude on my back, and I'm running with him, and I feel my two ribs on the right side just kind of like clacking together. I'm like, that's just odd that these ribs are clacking together. <laughs> oh, man. It's kind of weird. <laughs> So I'm like, hey, uh, I got to put this guy down. So I draw, I ease him on the ground. And uh, one of the other guys on my team uh, was about the same size as me. He picks him up, carries him the rest of the way. But I was like, man, feeling kind of weird. I found out later on I actually tore the intercostal space in my between my ribs there. Wow. Um, and I have a big scar on my rib from it now. But I didn't know it at the time. Sucked it up and kept moving. Speaking of sucking it up, y'all, <laughs> I've had to tell them towards the end of – his retirement and this is for all the soldiers or people that are listening i highly recommend that you don't feel prideful if you've been to combat 
and you fought for your country and you keep on sucking up your pain, you deserve your retirement, your medical disability, okay? This guy right here, I had to make him go to the doctor. I had to make him document things. And to this day, he still sucks up things. I, I, you know, I worry about him. You know, I never know if he's okay or not. He's always in pain, but it's just a sad, the mindset, not just RRC, but in in regiment and special operations community. If you go, you just don't stop. She's right. She's right. The bottoms of your feet are bleeding. Oh, who cares? You got to keep on going. That mentality really jacked his whole body up. Like at the end of his career, like, He's like a, uh, he's 42, but he's like in a 60 year old body. And like, it's just really sad and it breaks my heart. He's always in pain. And so, it's just, why I always squirm. I'm yeah, always he's squirm. He's not on drugs. He's just always popping his neck because he's got something going on. Yeah. He's like, well, it's more the back than the neck. But, but yeah, the Camry Patrol was, was a unique experience. I remember we're cruising along and, and you know, there'd be like British regular army dudes sitting on the side of the road smoking cigarettes and we come by and they'd be like, are you blokes the Rangers? And we're like, yeah, yeah, we're the Rangers. What's up? You blokes are fast. I'm like, <laughs> okay, that's what we're supposed to be, right? We're supposed to be fast. But we, we, we said we were faster than any other team there. We finished faster than anyone else. But you know how EIB is. You have to train for those tasks to really be good at it. We didn't get to train on those because they're British skill set tasks. So we ended up taking the silver medal. We had like the fastest time, but we like were a little bit off on some of their stuff, like weapon assembly and assembly. But physically, it's a really good challenge, and that's really what we cared to get out of it. Um, but it, but it was great though. I mean, we we represented the United States internationally and took the second highest award. Um, and it's kind of weird how they do the awarding. You'd have to look into it to see how it goes because I couldn't even explain it. So that you can get a gold medal, but there's I don't think there's just one gold medal. I think there's like multiple gold medals, multiple silvers, and multiple bronze. Um, but we took the silver um, the time that I did it. But it was a good trip. I had to swim across the lake. Um, and I think it was in like October in, in Wales. You know, so it was pretty cold. The lake, I think the water was around 40-something degrees. So we just stripped down, almost butt naked, put on just like a light silk weight layer through the rock on, swam across the water with it. I mean, it took my breath away. I was the lead swimmer. So I went in and I was like, whoo! You know, you're just hanging on. They had like a rope, you know, for safety, so you can shimmy across. Man, it takes your breath away. But it was a, it was a good little trip. We walked fifty something miles, and we covered that distance pretty quick. I think I think we got completely done in under forty eight hours, man, around forty eight hours or so. I'd like to add. I'm so proud of him, y'all. And um, you know, he's retired, but what he's been taught and the awesome schools that he's went to. Um, there's there's times and i'm sure a lot of soldiers struggle with like uh when they retire they gotta remember that mindset i'm retired Mm -hmm. and there's been times where i'm like calm down you don't have to kill him don't do it you know like we live on a dirt road and there's these motorcycle or was a motorcycle gang they're called the devil's disciples and y'all i like to wave and where we live in south alabama you better be ready hey how's your mama how's your brother you know you gotta wave (laughs) So I'm always waving and I get so offended when people don't wave. And I'm like, okay, Lord, help me not get mad. But like, there's this particular guy and uh, he, they think they're all that in a bag of chips. And deep down, I'm like, if they only knew, only knew this, you know, so he always, 
he kind of keeps that suppressed, you know, and I'm just, like I said, I'm so proud of him. I don't know if y'all know that he's got a silver star, purple hearts, and bronze, bronze. Yeah, I'm, I'm going there. He didn't like to say that. He gets so embarrassed, but I really am. I'm proud of him. And like, I know like Navy Souls get to write books and get to talk about their, their expense, their experiences. And I know regiment hadn't really went there yet. So I'm, I'm just hopeful for the day that, he can talk about some of this stuff and go deep. Me, me, no, me, me too, Kendall. And you know, I'll ju- I don't want to embarrass Mike. I'll, I'll just say, you know, you're you're emblematic of the professional soldiers that you find in the Ranger Regiment. And I was very lucky to work with you and with all the other guys that were there in battalion. You know, and you kept me alive. I'm here today because of you guys. So thank you, Kendall. What? Yeah, you're welcome, dude. And I enjoy working with you guys, man. That's. I mean, I couldn't have done it that whole career, dude. It's just you have ultimate and that's one of the notes i was kind of like trying to think about some notes like that i wanted to talk about but one of the key things is like the consummate professional man mm-hmm. in the ranger battalion like s1 the cooks the parachute breakers i don't care who it is like you name the like the, the like the most different oddball job if i need something from that guy the guy's gonna perform and he's gonna get it to me asap as fast as humanly possible and you can count on that there yeah. Um, when I went out to Yuma, out to the Freefall School, there were a lot of guys that still were like that, but but there was a lot that were not, and it, and it surprised the heck out of me. Mm-hmm. And I see now that you know some of these programs, and I'm I'm in, having involvement with regular army and stuff now, and I'm seeing a lot of that, and it's it's totally different. Um, and I couldn't have stayed in the military with what's going on in the military nowadays. I mean, they're they're like trying to teach everyone, you know, what their race is and how how to respect other people's races, which we already did. I've never seen racism in my military career. I didn't think there was a problem with it. And like, I mean, you know, in Ranger Battalion, there's like tons of tons of country boys. If there's any place that would be racist, it could be that place. But we all got along. We we loved each other like brothers, man. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter what color you are. Nobody cared. No one cares about that stuff. And that stuff, I believe, doesn't exist in the military. And now you've got you know some some crazy people out there kind of pushing that stuff down the necks. I talked to some of my buddies who are SAR majors trying to retire and they're like man i don't know if i'm gonna make it to 20 years man the stuff that's being pushed within the military and they can't speak out about it so that's why i'm speaking out about it um but but that stuff that's being pushed man it's just it's a radical agenda that's going to do nothing but undermine the military in my opinion yeah it's 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 tough when i i i remember like i started out in marine corps reserve and i remember uh in marine corps in boot camp them saying like there there are there are only Marines. Like, there's no white Marines or no black Marines. There are only Marines. You know, exactly. and and you know, and and I saw a lot of that. You know, throughout throughout my time in the military and at Ranger Battalion too. Like you said, like that we had guys who had more shoes for at Ranger Battalion, two pairs of boots and a pair of running shoes, whatever, and a pair of dress shoes. Those more shoes than they'd ever owned. Yeah, you know. Uh, you yeah, know, I mean that's what it was for me, man. I mean, we didn't wear shoes that the time, um, but. But yeah, man, I, I don't know where things are going, and it's it's not really looking like it's heading in the right direction. Hopefully, somebody snatches a knot and some stuff before too. I mean, they're talking about they want to talk about taking away guns and stuff now too. That's one thing. You know, one of my buddies asked me, they're like, "Hey, man, they're talking about taking away our guns. Do you think we need to worry about that?" I'm like, "In Alabama, no, we don't need to worry about it." Um, and when we do, we're going to stand up for our rights. Not to mention, you know, I you know, I train a lot. You know, I train with some of the cops in the area do a little bit of side work with those guys i mean they they like me they're not they're gonna come try to take my guns and if anybody did uh you know i say come and take them if you want to try 
it'd be the worst mistake you ever made. You know That's what I mean? Right. So anybody watching this, who's thinking about it, don't think about it. Kind of what for you? Like, was there a was there obviously there was Mike when he was deploying and Mike when he was home. Was there a Mike when he left the service? Was there a period of time where it was like where he he felt different or he he seemed different because he didn't have that you know adrenaline and that purpose and everything? Honestly, I'm just now seeing that that Mike. Like, he doesn't know how to, like, to retire, you know. I believe, like, he's been taught so much that is instilled with him. Um, I feel like I call him, I know this is, I'm just going to be honest. I'm like, stop being a robot, like, emotionless. Um, I want to see, I want to see compassion. It's okay to cry. Like, let it out. That doesn't mean you're a real man. His regiment teaches you, or like I said, the community teaches you, you can't cry tough toughen up and i believe like that's like i said why a lot of marriages fall because they can't open up and stuff so um i i believe he just now started like okay i can retire but like i said he gives a hundred percent to everything he still has that ranger mentality mm -hmm. he doesn't want to let his fellow brothers down like tonight we were having such a hard time we're at my mother-in-law's house and um we couldn't connect to the internet and he's like Oh my God. Like if I don't get on there, I, I've, already you down. Yeah, I've, I'm you guys down. Down. I've already promised. I said, calm down, calm down. It's going to be okay. Um, he just, That's what it is, though. honestly, yeah. I feel like he's always given his brothers and the military a hundred percent. And he's still trying to learn how to give me as a family a hundred percent. He's yeah. a good father and a good husband and a great provider and a hard worker. And I see that, but, um, Marriage is hard and it's not easy. And like I said, I give it all to God because God helps me be patient and, um, and, you know, sit back and, and have the tools that I need, especially, uh, with traumatic brain injuries and stuff. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, he has, he has times where the average person that is just ignorant piss, pisses them off. And I'm like, calm down, calm down. <laughs> Oh, you yeah, know, can I tell him that one time we we're on the road? No? Uh, no, no, okay. No. <laughs> well, that, was, uh, that was out of character for me, but uh, no, I mean, I just you know, anyway, somebody tried to run me off the road, and he just before I was driving before I knew it, windows down, guns out, like you know. Oh, yeah, he I was like, we ain't playing this crap, you're gonna get the heck out. and they got out of our way, too. Yeah, they <laughs> Mike, they did. but I, I just but, was like, uh, so oh, explain oh. that I was at the TBI clinic. Um, getting checked out for TBI and they took me off the two meds that I was on, which was like Adderall and like Ambien for like bedtime. And they're like, by the time you live here, you're going to just be we're so... Gonna, we're going to streamline your great. meds. Yeah, they're like, we're going to streamline your meds so you won't be on as much meds. We can rule out what's causing your pain, mental issues and stuff like that. So when I leave there, I'm on 16 meds. I have a trap, a, a brown paper bag this big. And uh, so, and they put me on like antidepressants. Which or, makes him depressed. Which make me depressed. Because yeah. I'm never depressed, you know what I mean? So they have an antidepressant, and I was just like sucking, man. And so as soon as I... But you're not supposed to cold turkey quit taking those. So oh, when yeah. I came out, I just threw them in the trash can and never took them again. And so I was a little off my rocker when that issue happened. And uh, I probably wouldn't have done that normally, but I, but I ended up, you know, rectifying a situation. Yeah. But, yeah. but I mean, they, they these people legitimately were trying to run us off the road. I have no clue why. Yeah. They, they almost rammed our car three times. We went in the ditch. Our daughter's sleeping in the back. It's like 10, 11 o'clock at night. 
I was like, I'm done with this crap. Yeah. Uh, and I was in the passenger seat, so I just yeah, it happens so fast. But I will you, say, like, I wish there was more of a community out there for guys who suffer from TBI, traumatic brain injury. You know, over uh, pressure. What is it called when you over pressure blast? Thank you blast so injuries. Yeah. You, know, you know, from doing demos. Yeah, stuff. that stuff. You know, the guns that you guys shoot and stuff like that. It's toxic, and I really wish there was a program out there to take it like serious and detox him like a hundred percent from all this stuff because he has lots of nerve problems. And I'll say this, like the war's over, but yet it's not over in his mind because his body hurts all the time. And it's right. just a constant, I'm ready for him to feel joy. I think that oh. I'm going to talk on a deep level about that. Like that is the hardest thing is the pain that he's in all the time from the time he gets out of bed he literally walks like to get going. He's stiff and he walks like an old man and it breaks my heart. And it's like, people forget about these guys and number one, he still doesn't have time to go to a doctor. Mm -hmm. Then getting a VA appointment. Don't get, don't even that. That's, I I will, uh, I'll, I'll introduce you to some people if you're interested, Mike and hell, I'll just, I'll just say it out here because it's not some sort of secret. Uh, my buddy, uh, Todd Apolsky, who's a uh, recon Marine, he did a stint in the unit also. Um, he runs a, like a retreat for veterans down in Costa Rica. And you can go down there and he teaches like every PT, meditation, all that different kind of stuff. Right. Um, but there, there, are, there are programs out there. There are things you can do. Hit, hit, hit the little reset button. Yeah. yeah there's another thing too. Um, and, and I'll mention his name because I think it might would help him out. Uh, and you, you know him, Miles Grantham. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Miles is doing some good stuff. He's been doing a lot of good stuff for the for the SEAL community, uh, and he's getting the Rangers involved into it, like SF guys as well. But uh, but he's doing a lot of good stuff there. It's 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 you know some of that stuff. It's all up on that you know fringe there, but it's it's it actually helps guys out. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I you know I've tried some stuff out in in different programs, and definitely helps me out a little bit. But there there's a lot of stuff out there, and you know I'm definitely open to other options as well because like she said, you know I'm just amped up trying to do good things and then at you know at the end of the day you know the the pain starts kicking in it's hard to sleep and i have a lot of pain and then waking up in the morning everything's stiff so it's even more painful it's it's hard it's It's hard for it's hard for you mike and for a lot of guys and i think anyone who serves in those kind of positions to make that transition to civilian life where you were in a job where every decision you made was so important if you screwed up Somebody could very well get killed. I mean, the stakes are so high. Now here we are in civilian life. What's the worst thing that happened to me today? We almost didn't get the internet up. That's the worst thing. Okay, okay, that's okay. That sucks. But no one was going to die. No one was going to get hurt. Every, yeah. Everything was going to be fine. It was going to be okay. Um, yeah, exactly right. But the, but the nervous system, because it's been trained responds. so long, right. the nervous system still responds to that. You know, in that in that way, and you know, you talk about these people trying to run you off the road. That's kind of an extreme case, but even when you think about your job, like your answer to to a threat was to eliminate them. Immediate death. Immediate death. Yeah. <laughs> right. Immediate death. I got told like if you're a threat to me, there's only one type of threat, and that's the one that's going to end my life. Right. If you just want to fight me, that's not a threat because I still got a chance to kill you. You know what I mean? But if you want to end my life, I have to end yours immediately before you end mine. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, those are immediate threats. And the only solution to that is immediately neutralize it, you know? 
And, and there's a lot of things in the civilian world that don't quite make that threshold. Right, right, but right. But it's like, where do you put them? You right. know, where do you put that thing? Right. Do I redline yeah. on this thing or do I just let it go? You know? Right. So that's the hard part. I and think. I worry about, like, I do help, like, calm him down. I really do. Yeah. I worry about him when he's traveling, when he doesn't have me. Yeah. I'm like, oh, Lord, please give him <laughs> peace and calm because it's not going to be good. And I do not want to build him out of jail. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Guys, a little, a little bit, switch it up a little bit. Tell me, uh, what are you drinking here tonight? Um, I, I actually got some of my stepdad's liquor there. It's Old Forester. All right, all right. It's, it's kind of cheap, but it's actually pretty good. That's oh, Old yeah. Forester. Oh, well, the, the second drink I mean, was Old Forester. And, and I just had regular Pepsi here. But my uncle, so, so we're, we're here. We got a family reunion going on here. And we, a birthday. You know, it's your and, and my, birthday. my brother's He's birthday. 40. Happy birthday, Rob. Yeah, my, bro- my brother, Rob, just turned 40. So we got his birthday. Her birthday's coming up on June first. My daughter's birthday. Oh yeah, June second. He got him a young girl. I mean, I'm not young anymore, but like, I'm like nine years younger than him. So yeah, their the birthdays are coming up. I can't remember what I was going with. Sorry, my bad. He's uh, aging me. What what were you what were you drinking, young lady? I'm just gonna say Pepsi Zero. (laughs) (laughs) She's got she's she's got her story. She's got her story, Uh, Mr. Dave. Oh. I'm drinking the same thing you are. This is uh, Jeff Miller, a friend of ours, uh, guest on the show a few times, retired Special Forces, toxic masculinity whiskey. Because everybody needs a little toxic masculinity. Is it good? That yeah, it is. Good. It is. It's very good. Yeah, man. Let, hit me up the length of that. I'll try out a bottle, man. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Or, or at least buy one for some friends. I got a neighbor who's a, a really big whiskey connoisseur. I mean, like, you go to his place, you feel bad drinking the whiskey because every bottle's like 300 plus. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm like, dude, man. He's like, oh, I've tried this one out. He'll tell you the whole history on the thing, and and you take a few sips off of it, and you're like, oh my gosh, this is delicious. He's like, yeah, they only get one or two uh, bottles in the whole state every year. Wow, and he gets like the first call. I mean, he's got bottles of bourbon that are like four hundred and something dollars, man. Uh, yeah, he can keep that. Yeah, um, but he, you know, he, he's a retired officer, though. You know, so well, he can he can afford it exactly. Let's exactly. let's hit up a few, <laughs> let's hit up a few more questions uh, here. Brad's, I think was yeah, next. Brad. Uh, what was the big change when RRD turned into RRC with funding and mission focus? You know, I didn't really notice the change. Um, it was technically still RRD when I got there, but by the time I got to the team, it was really kind of technically RRC at the time. So I think the biggest change was. It was all enlisted, so the the senior enlisted advisor was really like the commander. I think, of, like when I first got there, but then after that, they, when they made it a company, they put officers in charge. So we had a company commander, um, we had um, um, an executive officer, we had ops officer. So we had like a mini little staff too. So it really helped us out when it became RRC because we had like a little micro staff that really helped us plan a lot of stuff, training events wise. They were great guys. A lot of officers that really did that um, that job that, that didn't have any pats on the back. You know what I mean? They, these guys, the selfless work. I mean, they're sitting there like planning training or assisting us with planning our training events um, on the teams, and, and they're not getting to do fun stuff, you know? Yeah. Uh, these guys, like, when he was like, I got to go train awesome. in New Mexico, I'm like, what do you mean? He went to go do dirt bikes. I'm like, and I saw the video of them like <laughs> running like pro motocross. Yeah, and like each other and stuff. I'm like, yeah, we're just trying to like, training. You're just playing. See, it's not fair. And that's the hard part as the dude that's out there is like, your wife's like, oh, you're skydiving. Yeah, so you're seeing the, the pictures when I don't have anything on me but a parachute. 
But imagine those pictures you can't see that are at nighttime with night vision and 120 pound ruck, you know, or whatever, or a human being strapped to the front of you. You know, those are the not fun parts. Or when you're walking 40 miles with that rucksack on, yeah, we get to ride dirt bikes with professional motocross drivers. Yeah, I get to jump out of planes with professional pro, you know, exhibition skydivers, you know. Um, you know, and then I got to work with these guys later on. We get to do a lot of cool stuff, but there's a lot of hard, hard stuff that's involved to give you that, those, you know, those uh, benefits. So, I mean, they even have, I'm to say, can I say some of the stuff you have? Oh. Okay. He even got to have, like, cool wigs and stuff. Like, I'm like, what? And, like, like, I don't know. Was, just, did he have the I'm sunglasses like, that, with that, the fake nose the and the mustache? Say what? Fake mustache. The, like yeah. the, the sun, the sun. Yeah, beer. Oh, I'm thinking of the sunglasses that the have nose. the fake nose and then it comes down to the mustache. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I knew what you're talking about. Let me tell you this. I had a, a person at my work still for me and I told him about it. And he built me, he borrowed from the. I had some extra parts and stuff like that we had, but I, built, I built her, I, I took her lunchbox and built a hidden camera system into it. So I totally got the part. And that recorded them, and he got it from the James Bond shop. We call it nice. from RRC. That's nice. pretty so, cool. Who goes out to those guys? They're they're awesome. And for for the, our uh, listeners who and viewers uh, who might not be familiar with it, uh, RRD is was the Regimental Reconnaissance Detachment, uh, and it was the the recon element of the Ranger Regiment, and then it became the Regimental Reconnaissance Company, mm -hmm. right? Uh, at a certain point yes. in time. And um, it, it was just like you said. You got officers. Did it? Did it expand in size? It did expand in size a little bit too. They, they ended up increasing the number of teams that we had. Um, it, you know, then it was still even harder to fill the teams that we already had. Um, so I mean, the, the size didn't grow that much. But I think the 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 uh, supporters and the uh, what do we call them enablers? The enablers. We had a lot more enablers, which made our jobs a ton easier. Right. Um, uh, Anna Anatoly asks, is RRC the most physically fit unit in JSOC? I mean, that's hard to say. I mean, there's some dudes that are beast mode and like, I mean, all the different units. Man. But I will say, um, we had some we had some exceptional athletes in that place, man. Uh, we had dudes that they would come back after like a three or four month deployment and they, they you know, all they have is a spin bike in the gym, maybe get to run a couple miles around a track or something like that or an elliptical, and then come back and do, I mean, there were guys that did full Ironmans and actually place, you know, reasonably against pros and stuff. Uh, we had, that wasn't me. Now I did half Ironmans. That's the biggest I ever did was a half Ironman. Um, did a lot of triathlons and stuff like that. You didn't have to and, and, and I, and I, I, I placed really well too, but, but there were guys that were much better than me. I mean, and I, I was, you know, in good shape, really good shape. But there, but there were guys in that company that were just absolute anomalies, man. I mean, there was a lot of guys like that. Uh, Danny, thank you. Uh, he asks, what are the roles on RRC teams like RTO, medic, etc.? So for us, we had a we had a team sergeant, um, which is typically an E eight, and then assistant team sergeant, which is typically an E seven. But I did it as an E eight. Um, you know, at that time we had excess guys, um, and, and rank wise, but then, um, then we had like a senior reconnaissance sergeant, which is like the number three guy. 
he's like the not he's like the most knowledgeable guy outside of the team sergeant and the team and the assistant team sergeant. Then after that, you got your RTO. You got to have that guy. You know, have a JTAC assigned, usually an Air Force guy. And then if you have any extra guys, you just put those guys. They're just recon sergeants, um, so they just do whatever the heck you need. And they'll they could be an E seven and be the new guy on the team. And you know, they're just taking the trash when you tell them to take the trash. Um, but for the most part, they we we it wasn't like what I had heard about guys going up the road to Fort Bragg. Guys would go up there, and it was like your tree like garbage when you get to your team. Because you're the new guy, but they have a lot more new guys. Um, and, and RC wasn't really like that, at least on my team. You got to the new team. You know, I was an E7 when I got to the team, and uh, nobody treated me like garbage. You knew you were the new guy, and you had to respect everyone else, but nobody really treated you like garbage. You were incorporated as one of the team right away. And uh, now you'd be told if you're wrong or you needed to work on something. I mean, obviously, but you were treated like a family member, like right off the bat. What were the lowest? Was there a rank requirement when you went? What was the lowest rank that you guys had there? I think I think the lowest. I think on paper it's like an E four or E five, you know, with a with a Ranger tab, and but you have to have a certain amount of time under your belt in a leadership position. So really, E four E five is kind of hard to do. Mm -hmm. um, the lowest ranking guy we had on a team when I was there was probably an E six, maybe. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, we yeah we definitely had a couple E sixes on teams. And then we, we had a lot of E7s and a lot of E8s, but we, we ended up getting kind of top-heavy there for a while. Um, and the bad thing about that, with it being such a small unit, is when it got top-heavy like that, they kind of had to like, you know, we got some extra outside external pressure, you know, push, kind of make guys move. That's why I went back and did the mortar platoon sergeant time over 3rd Ranger Battalion, which I didn't really really think I wanted to do, but then after I did it, I, I really enjoyed it. And it was actually one of the more... Uh, you know, one of the bigger highlights of my career, actually. You know, I didn't think it was going to be when I first did it. Uh, Jacob asks, uh, what did you enjoy most about a reconnaissance-focused mission set with RRC versus a DA door-kicking mission like the other Rangers? The the, um, the reconnaissance-type missions, that most of the stuff that we did, um, the, the what I liked about that, I didn't like that kind of stuff at first. When I got used to doing it, um, I found out that, you know, everything was on me. Like, I, I planned my concept of the operation, you know, the mission packet we set up. I planned that. I coordinated for my own QRF. And most of the time when I was doing the rec the reconnaissance stuff, I'm doing it during the daytime. And you got to realize, like, most of our assaulters, you know, rangers or Delta Force guys that are going to come get my tail, you know, if, if the crap hits the fan or, or seals, you know, whoever's going to come get my tail. If I get the bind, they're asleep because they're, they're, you know, they've got to get rest for the next day. So me calling them to come help me is not going to be the the quickest thing. It's not going to be as quick as it could be, but we plan for every aspect of everything you could possibly think of, every detail of every mission. Like I was talking to one of these guys out here the other day, one of the, the younger guys, and and they were like, well, you know, how do you guys um, coordinate? What, how would you do this range or whatever? And I'm like, well, you know, and I started breaking it down and stuff. They probably bored the guy to death, but like you're going to plan everything for, for example, how, you, you need to know math. Like, I talked to some of these young guys. You need to know math because math comes in handy with demo, doing explosive charge cal calculations, military free fall calculations, sniper shots, you know, doing all your different calcs that. You know that, um, Jack. And, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff comes in handy. But we actually plan every aspect of that to include how far my sound's traveling from my helicopter when I'm flying in. You know, little stuff that you wouldn't even think of. Am I going to need more ammo out there? Or do I anticipate staying over 24 hours? 
you know, all those little things. And you can think like the amount of elevation climb you're going to do into the target, all those things we actually take into consideration. And I could go in much more depth, but I really, you know, I don't want to give up those details necessarily, not they're classified or anything, but those are TTPs that I don't really want to talk about on the internet. Honestly, like my mom always said, Kendall, you need a nerd. And I'm like, I, I really, I have a nerd. He's a good looking nerd, but um, <laughs> y'all, I'm telling you, like bless his heart. He has to play charades with me all the time. Cause I'm always like, you know, that thank you, Bob, that thing over there. He's like, what thing? I'm like that thing. And he, he'll name it. He'll finally figure my blonde talk out. <laughs> but um, he is a, he is a, he's a genius. I think. And don't, don't you usually for the guys over there that come over there, don't they have to take some kind of test or something? Yeah, um, I think it's um, yeah, it's at the beginning of selection, the first week or two. Uh, they do psychological evaluations, they do uh, mental aptitude tests, IQ tests, all different kinds of stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, they really get down in the weeds in it, and and you know that's a determining factor later on. You physically cut it, but then they may use that you know not necessarily against you, right. but use it for the unit for the unit's benefit to choose the right person. So. It's, it's good stuff that they do, and and it, it definitely – I think it sets us up for success. We don't really have a lot of guys that have crazy, like, PTSD or, like, issues like that. You know, we all have issues. Our bodies are broken down. But I think guys that are, you know, in that category have less issues afterwards, I believe. Uh, Kendall, we have a question for you here from Casey Loveless. What does it mean to be a master cosmetologist? That means I am licensed to do hair, um, chemicals. Um, I can do facials. I can do nails and anything below the knees. I can do pedicures and stuff like that. Is that how long is the training for some like? Honestly, I went to night school and I was there from like 8 to 2.33. And I think it was nine months, I think. It's been oh. since like 2000 and. 2007 2008 i graduated that's a lot of training i mean because every everything's very regulated in that field isn't it yeah um i've i've messed a whole lot of people up when i started so let me tell you that like i have you know you're it's the profession and i've learned to really especially females they're psycho man i really i like to do cut hair is my specialty like i am a i'm good in that field god's given me a good gift um so i really specialize in cutting hair um rather, i don't do nails or anything like that so um and men are the easiest let me tell you no drama so yeah. you, you've had women come in and they want to throw hands or like how bad does it get so let's say i have a woman comes in she did a box color on her hair and she's expecting you to make her look like uh, you know jennifer Lopez or something, you know, I'm like, listen here, you should have used that box dye. Okay. I can't do it. I can't like work a miracle on you girl. And then you'll have people who want to go like white, like blonde and they have like dark hair, like mics. And it takes set. Um, it takes a couple of sessions. So you keep the hair healthy, you know, and it's just like women are psycho. So I ain't got time for all that. No. Nah. I can only imagine. Uh, Jackson asks, uh, how rare were DA ops usually for you, either as an RRC team or attached to an SMU or Ranger unit? Do you miss kicking down doors at all, or was AFO just cooler? 
No, I, I actually really do miss the DA stuff. I mean, the DA stuff's super fun and cool. That's why that's why every special operations unit out there has somewhere in it DA as their mission set, whether it be Navy SEALs, SF, you know, whoever. It's in there somewhere, and everyone is going to choose in any way possible that route to get them to that that mission set. You know what I mean? So it's a good mission set, and, and I really enjoy it. And I, I got to do a lot of it. I actually answered that question for one of these younger guys I was talking to the other day. Um, but I, So I came up in the third range of time, so I knew all those guys. I learned guys from first bat and second bat from, you know, when I was in PLDC and out Phoenix, stuff like that. So by the time I got to RRC and now I'm tagging along with 175 or 375 or whoever, I knew people. So I had credibility and trust. And I went on missions to those guys. They would always usually ask if, if I wanted to do this or do that. And I would go and try to find a spot where I was the most, uh, you know, where I was contributing the best that I possibly could. Because, I mean, I, I, I never want to go on a mission so that this guy gets to stay home. Like, you know, I always made sure to point that out is a private not going on this mission because I am, because if that's the case, then I'm staying home. Right. Um, I didn't, I never wanted to kick anyone off the mission, but if I could add value to that mission, I wanted to go. And, and I got to go out a lot with this guys because there was usually plenty of room, you know, it, it, for the standard missions. And I got to roll out a lot do a lot of fun stuff. And it, I enjoyed it. Yeah. But not everybody necessarily had that opportunity. There were guys that came from outside the regiment through selection OTC, and they didn't know anybody in the battalions. They didn't have the network that we had. So like, you know, we have a network with Rangers, but also have a network with dudes at Fort Bragg and Virginia beach and stuff like that too, because I've bumped into them over the years and worked with them. These guys didn't. And some of those guys were not able to get out as much as I was. Some yeah. of them did, some of them didn't, but I, I was fortunate in that aspect. And, and still waiting for them to make a Ranger, maybe like, you know, <laughs> kick it up, make some cool Ranger stuff. Like, you know, I'm just going to go there. The seals get all the glory, y'all. It's time for Ranger Regiment to decross, bro. They you know what I'm saying? Now, my mama loves watching this. This What is that show she's into? I don't know. It's all about them seals, but it's time for some Ranger action. Come they on. Did, they did make a movie for Ranger. Uh, Con Air with uh, <laughs> Nick Cage. Nick Cage. Cage. That's probably the best one. Little Nicholas Cage, man. Yeah. We, uh, we got Black Hawk down, and that's about it. You know, um, yeah, not too many, not too many Ranger movies. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there will be in the future. But go what, ahead. What's Rainbow? I mean, Rainbow. Oh my lord, Rainbow Ranger. No, no. Uh, he was a Green Beret. Green Beret. Yeah. My bad. My yeah. bad. Yeah. Um, Z Zedick, uh, uh, guy, you make me read this weird name that you have here uh, as your handle. <laughs> Z Zedix. Zedix Ags. Uh, we want to know your most dangerous or exciting or favorite or best or worst war story. And did Fabio cut your Greek goddess hair as well? Does, does Fabio cut my Greek goddess hair? I, I, maybe that's a question for your wife. I'm not entirely sure. Well, that must I, be Fabio. Hey, he cuts Fabio. It. I think, I think yeah, the war story yeah. is, yeah. It's so hard. He doesn't want his hair cut. He wants to keep it long, so I'll dust it, so I'll keep it clean. And dusting is just taking the ends and making it shiny. Mm -hmm. But like, he just likes it long, so he won't let me touch it. And like, we're in a race to see who can grow it out. Well, I've already grown. I grew mine down to about here about a year and a half ago, and then I chopped it all off because I got tired of it. So, but this time, I'm doing more desk work, so it's not as bad. It's like a mechanic but, that don't work on that car. But what's your best mission? Thank talking you. about that that uh, the mission. Um. You know, there was a, there was another cool one that I got to do. That I don't I don't think I talked about on the last one. Um, yeah, I did I did some some AFO stuff 
cruising out with an element, you know, a small element, me, usually me and one other American, um, and then one or two indige driving our vehicles so that it's easier for us to pass through certain areas. Um, but we would go to bad guy houses prior to the assault force, just us. Like, I mean, I mean you're talking like two actual shooters in the car. And uh, we went up to this one house, pulled down a road, and, and the target we had was affiliated with the Afghan National P Police. You know, you know those, they were dirty. Um, and, and the Afghan National Police, there was a bunch of them standing at the door wearing the Afghan National Police jackets, carrying AKs. And so we pulled in and we figured we we're going to have a confrontation with these guys. So they come up, our, our indigenous are talking to them so that we don't have to talk. So they don't even know we're in the vehicle. Uh, and I'm situated in the back. And this is one of those little Toyota um, vans. So we had, we had it situated so in the back I could sit there in like a jump seat. Nobody could see me. And I could hit this handle. The whole hatch comes up and I could come out there really fast tactically. Um, so I was sitting in the jump seat in the back. And then anyway, um, these guys were like, yeah, um, we're, we're calling the Taliban. They're going to come get you. And, you know, we told them we were kind of just checking around the area for IEDs, you know, but, you know, it's not why we were really there. But, uh, but anyway, so. So all of a sudden they're, they're talking this. So we call back to, to the assault force. The assault force was like five minutes down the road, staged right to rock. And uh, we call back to them. We're like, hey, we, we're going to need your help because they're calling the Taliban. There's like two or three done, you know, guys with AKs here. We can probably handle that, but they're, they're calling more and we don't know how long it's going to be until they get there. So they're like, all right, cool. We're headed that way. So they're rolling. You know, it's like five minutes out. So five minutes is a long time when things start getting kind of tense. Mm -hmm. So, you know, somewhere after that, all of a sudden, you know, I hear, I hear one of the guys in the front, you know, one of the Americans like, holy crap, look at this. And I turn around and look to the front and there's like a platoon size element of dudes running with PKMs, RPKs, machine guns, RPGs, everything, AKs running at us down the street. They're like 150, 200 yards away. And I'm like, holy crap, man, this isn't going to go good. So I tell the other guy in the vehicle with me, I said, Hey man, I'm about to pop out the back. When I do, I'm going to lay down some hate. And while I'm laying down that hate, I want y'all to get the heck to the highway and haul butt to the south. And I'll break contact and I'll link up with you and click down the road. So like, I was this close. I was like, man, I don't know if I'm going to survive this, but I'm about to just lay waste as hard as I can so that our vehicle and those other dudes can get out of there. As soon as I grab the hatch to pop it open, it swings open. And here comes all the gun trucks rolling up, 50 cows and everything. And those dudes scatter like cockroaches. Now. But another similar mission to that, um, similar thing. We get up there, we we get out of the vehicle, sneak around the house, you know, determining what we need to determine before we go in there. And you know, it's it's always usually one or two guys with minimal firepower going up there trying to sneak. Well, we go up another house that had A and A guys or A and P guys guarding the front gate, and they come up gunned up, draw their guns up on our our, our drivers. So they're, you know, our drivers are legit Afghans, you know, they, they live there, grew up there. So here I am in the back of the jump seat again, and they're, they're talking, getting kind of aggressive with the Afghans. And, uh, and I, I pop the hatch out and I come out and immediately throw that laser on that dude's head. Mm -hmm. Dude, they just got, tell about de-escalating the situation. They had no clue what, what they were involved in at that point in time. They were talking crap to our indigenous and I pop out the back and come up with a laser on the forehead and they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. We're, we're not ready to fight. And you know, it was a pretty chill target at that point in time. But those are some of the ones I had thought about that I hadn't talked about last time. Uh, it, when it comes to the RRC stuff, the low vis stuff, um, ideally when you're doing that, that recce stuff, the low vis stuff, 
if, if you don't get in a gunfight, that's obviously ideal because you're trying to be out there, gather intelligence, gather information, atmospherics, whatever it may be, bring it back and ingest it, take it out, create some sort of product out of it without anyone knowing that you're out there doing that. That's the key to reconnaissance. Um, it's not like telling the story and like, hey, hey, look at me. You know what I mean? You're out there doing all this stuff. Uh, you know, I'm doing a TV interview, but whatever. Um, it, 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 you know, different topic. But yeah, yeah. You're, you're out there trying to do stuff and, and you don't want anybody really knowing that you're doing it. So a lot of times there's not gunfights involved. Yeah. But but I got to do some fun DA stuff too. And I mean, to make me look real hot, like he doesn't look like a white boy sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the thing that I think that maybe people don't understand is that sometimes in those situations, like it, it goes from zero to 60 in no time flat and you have to preempt the situation. And so it's, yeah. it's constantly like kind of judging yourself. What's the right move here? Maybe, maybe right. this would go away on its own, but if I wait for that to happen, maybe it escalates and it is out of our control before we can do anything. And you're exactly right about that. And that's a good point. You bring that up because if, if you're looking at this and you're like, should I go out there? Should I put, you know, think about it. Should I get out there and I'm pointing a gun in the dude's face? Right. I mean, that's a pretty significant event. Am I going to cause him to be more angry and cause more problems? Or am I going to resolve the situation? So you got to, you get, you really have to weigh that stuff. And, and you're talking like, like the cops in our country these days are having all these issues too. That guy's by himself. He doesn't have backup. Or, or she's by herself, or or they may have one partner. They don't have a ranger strike force on their back. They don't have a dang, uh, you know, Delta Force troop on their back. You know what I mean? The guy's out there by themselves, the guy or girl, and they have to rectify that situation, protect themselves immediately. And, uh, you know, we had it a lot easier than that. Yeah. But, but, you, but you have to really think through these processes. It's a very intricate system that you have to think through. Exactly. Because if you make the wrong decision, you could be throwing your career down the toilet. Or, or, or go to jail. You know right. what I mean? You're, you're ending someone's life, potentially. And you need to make sure it's a legitimate reason why you're doing that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot of zero or hero moments. Yeah. You know. Big time. Uh, we, uh, further up, I think we didn't get Jackson, did we? Uh, you're too low. We haven't gotten there yet. Oh, okay. Will Davidson uh, it wonders, does Regiment or JSOC own RRC? And who didn't buy the G Shocks? I guess he's, he's asking who bought the G Shock watches. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know what he means by the G Shock watches. Um, but uh, but as far as like who owns RRC, the Ranger Regiment owns RRC. It's part of the Ranger Regiment, subject Ranger Regiment. Um, we do work within the task force that we're assigned to, um, and and how that plays out. I don't know how that hierarchy exactly works now. It's probably changed a little bit since I was there. Um, but but it's a it works well together. You know, all the different elements that, you know, the groups within that JSOC element all work really, really, really well together. So, um, and, you know, our guys are trying to provide what they can provide. I don't know exactly how things have changed for them now. Um, but when I was there, man, we worked great together. Uh, Michael Hendricks, thank you. Andrew Dunbar just wanted to point out The Great Raid is about the Sixth Rangers in World War II. Uh, also a book called Ghost Soldiers. If you haven't read it, it's about uh, American POWs that are being held by the Japanese, and uh, Rangers went in and rescued them. Awesome, awesome book. And, and the movie's really yeah. good, too. Uh, yeah, we got to watch the movie uh, at Fort Benning. Yeah, so, I, yeah, I remember that. But, yeah, you know, because it was a Ranger movie, we got to watch the preview before anybody else did at the theater on Fort Benning. It was a really good yeah. movie. I mean, really impressive movie. Really impressive mission. 
Oh, yeah. Saving Private Ryan. Andrew says that was a movie about Rangers. The squad was 2nd Ranger Battalion. Alejandro wanted to ask a question for the gun nerds watching. Heard y'all have G, uh, have Glock 19s and Glock 22s. Did you have a preference for either the 9mm or the 40 and why? Thanks for coming back on. Sue Espanta. Yeah. Um, so we had the Glock 19s when I was there and, you know, for concealed carry stuff and then Glock 22s. You know, if, if I wanted to, if I needed to shoot a person with it and I wanted to make sure they were down it, obviously I want that Glock 22. Um, but they serve different purposes and different roles. The Glock 19 is smaller. It's a 9mm ammo, easier to come by in the military. Uh, the Glock 22s, we usually carry that for like tactical stuff, tactical reconnaissance or tactical DA missions um, and a different type of holster. Um, and they have more stopping power, but it's a much bigger gun. You're not going to you know, squeak that one through. Uh, place that you could squeak that little Glock 19, you know, and the Glock 19 is big enough that you still have enough power, you know, out of a compact gun. And you, you were right, Dave. I skipped over a few here. Getting back to uh, Jackson asks, uh, reading between the lines, it seems like you worked with the CTPTs in Afghanistan. What did you guys make of the Ground Branch guys you worked with? There's a certain aura around them from civilians. Yeah, I enjoyed working with those guys, man. Um, they were good guys. I mean, a lot of you know. I'd known from the past, some of them were good buddies of mine from the regiment, you know, so it was pretty, pretty easy integration working with those guys, uh, you know, dealing with some of the politicians in the head shed was, a, you know, another aspect that isn't even worth spending time on, but, but yeah, the, the tactical guys were good guys, man, for the most part, the ones I saw and, uh, yeah, I enjoyed working with them and, and, and their guys, their image were, were solid. I mean, mm -hmm. some of the best, uh, Adam white, previous guest on the show. If you go back and watch his, the episode we did with him. Uh, he says, thank you so much for an honest, meaningful conversation. Mike, you have no idea the tremendous good you're doing as such an admired superhero being this open. Great job, y'all. Keep up the great work. Uh, and who said that? That's Adam White. He was, uh, he was an Army counterintelligence dude uh, that we had on okay, before. I yes, I saw his episode, man. That guy's hilarious. <laughs> yes. He's hilarious, man. <laughs> yeah, I, so I watched his and I watched... You know, the girl that you talked about, you had on there, um, what's her name? Ilana, the other CIA? Yeah, Ilana was Ilana. Uh, another counterintelligence off, uh, NCO. Yeah. With, with the with the prosthetic? She, no, the, the girl that was the reporter. Oh, oh, Jess, Jess, reporter Jessica. Like, yeah. Jessica. Yeah, oh, my God. She's the baddest son of a gun you've ever had on the show, man. Yeah. That she, girl, I mean, she got to do stuff I'm envious of. You know, like, I mean. No, me too. She did, and I know you did it, Jack, as a uh, as a reporter. You know what I mean? Like nobody cares if you live or die. You know, so you get to do some cool stuff. Yeah, you you get man, no. Her story was amazing. No, no air support, no nothing. Um, I have her book at home. It's uh Jessica Donati's book is uh, Eagle Down about special forces yeah. in Afghanistan. And yeah, my, everything Mike said is accurate. You guys should go give it a read. Um, Jack, she, she's bad to the bone. That girl ain't yeah. scared nothing. You she's like a, she's like a kid like Kendall that just comes out of a town and. You know, somewhere in the United States and just gets tossed in a war zone and has to figure it out. Yeah, she figured it out, man. Yeah. Yeah. She was in sketchy. She's been in sketchier situations than I've been in, probably. Yeah. For sure. Uh, and actually, Adam will, I think Adam will be joining us for 100, right? I hope so, Adam. Uh, I don't know if Adam's around or not. Um, yeah, well, I'm, we'll see who we'll shows see up. Happens. Uh, how much shooting do you guys get to do during workups? What was your favorite part of training? How did your former RRC friends who were behind the fence compare the units and lifestyle? Yeah, so I don't, 
I don't know. Most of the guys that I know that are still there in, within that organization um, are, are not like on teams. They're, they're civilians now doing contract work for them. Um, and, and I do need to reach out. I think they got a range rendezvous this summer. I'm going to try to get over there and see some of the guys. Maybe I can get some more, you know, up to date how, how life is for the guys, you know. But I got a wife whose husband's on there. As far he's pretty bad to the bottom, I hear. Who? Who? There's two wives. I won't say any names because they're still in there. So, um, yeah, and it, there's some guys that I know, but I just haven't talked to them in a while. But it's, what was the other part of the question? Uh, how much shooting do you guys get to do during workups, and what was your favorite part of training? Yeah, we so we got to do a lot of shooting. I mean, it was really as much shooting as you wanted to do. Um, we, you know, obviously there's training that has to be done, and and what I really liked about training, so I don't forget that part. Part is, um, it was always something different, man. I'm jumping out of airplanes, you know, doing military free fall stuff. Mm-hmm. Then I'm doing sniper stuff, long range shooting, high angle sniper shooting stuff driving dirt bikes, dr- doing explosive breaching, you know, learning how to make my own explosive type stuff. Um, you know, it just never changed doing computer stuff, which I really don't didn't like that much. But we learned a lot of different stuff on computers. We learned how to talk to people. There's different aspects of talking to people. And that, your Intel dude that, that you had on here, he had on a lot of that stuff. But, you know, you got to learn how to talk to people. How to? Uh, how can I talk to this person and get what I want out of them information-wise? Or how do I talk to this person and portray the information onto them that I want information-wise for them to spread it how they see fit? You know, different things like that, different aspects of being able to talk to people. So it always changed up, but we did do a lot of shooting. It was really as much shooting as you wanted to do, and, and we had a lot of good shooters. Uh, the barracks. And this question seems like it keeps coming up over and over again. And may, maybe you've already answered it. We don't want to go over it again. But he's he's saying how how would someone choose between going to CAG or RRC? I mean, that's it. That's a personal decision, you know. And, and it's a challenging one too because the the physical aspects of it. And, and yeah, there's probably people who argue this back and forth. But um, RRC selection was built off of you know Delta Force selection. Uh, so it's very similar. And then you go through that to go do, go to an organization that a lot less people know about. You know what I mean? So like nobody really is going to know what you're doing when you go there. It's going to be kind of under the radar. So, you know, you got to look at what, what, what you want to do. Do you want to go do some stuff and, and so that you can just be in a unit where you can pat yourself on the back? Because those dudes have the credibility and they're out there. They're widely acknowledged. And it's an absolutely phenomenal, great unit. But the work that they do 99.9% of the time during the GWAT now, just during the GWAT was what the Ranger Battalion dudes were doing. So it was like, if I go do that, I'm, yeah, I mean, it's at a better level. You got more square away guys, more, more proficient guys, and they get those 1% missions too. Those are pretty rare. So I was like, I wanted to do something different for me personally. I chose something different. I'm going to go through that same physical struggle and, and maybe not even get quite as much extra pay because they get a little extra pay more than we do. Um, but just to do something that I wanted to do, man. And it was different and it never stayed the same. So I really enjoyed constantly changing it up. And, and Mike, we actually kind of talked about this the last time you were on that RRD and RRC it used to have a real, they used to have a marketing issue where people yeah, thought yeah. it was just some guys out there in ghillie suits with binoculars, like reporting on <laughs> enemy activity, right? And that was what they were going to do. Yeah, and, and there's a lot more to it than that, and, and and obviously there's reasons why you can't find out everything before you get there because there's certain things that go on there, um, you know, just like other places that 
that not everybody really needs to know about. You know what I mean? Right. So, uh, and it's for a good reason. Uh, but there's there's a lot of good capabilities there. Yeah, just like there are a lot of other units. Yeah. Honestly, you have to be ready to be Clark Kent. Like all the soldiers there, like have to keep. They're like they're doing great things. They're doing bad to the bone things. They can't talk about it. And they're like doing Superman stuff and they're Clark Kent. You know, that's what I try to remind him of. Like, you know, one day you'll, you'll get to talk about it. Yeah. Could, were there ever situations that you wanted to like put, like tell somebody, like brag about him or, or, or like put somebody, you know, tell somebody what was going on or, you know, show them off or whatever and you just couldn't? So, yes, but some, like the things that he's done. Honestly, it sounds like it's off a movie and people want, yeah. they don't believe yeah. it. Yeah. Honestly, like the small town that I live in, they don't get it. They just. Yeah, and that's the truth too. I mean, even talking to some of the, the, the regular army guys or even some of the younger kids, I, you know, I try to focus my, my, my efforts. So I've been trying to like mentor some younger guys nowadays. Um, I, I kind of got tied in with this one guy who actually lives down close to my mom. Uh, really solid guy. One of the smartest young kids I've ever met in my entire life. I know for a fact this kid would actually succeed if he went to the Ranger Regiment or any other unit. And Kendall's met him too. Super solid guy. Um, but but I, I've enjoyed kind of coaching these guys on like fitness programs and how to get ready, how to prepare, how to mentally prepare and stuff like that. But I try to harp on these guys too. Like if you're still in school, focus on school, make those good grades. Math, you know, I like math. I hated it in school because it was just too slow. But when I came in the military, it's like you could do whatever you need to do with the math. You know, there's all these different things you could do, sniper stuff, jump stuff, you know, whatever. And it made it fun. It's like, oh, this math gets me to be able to blow up some stuff. You know, this math makes it to where I can shoot a bullet and put it straight in that dude's face at 1,200 meters. You know what I mean? With a 300 wind mag. You know, whatever it is. So there's benefit to having all that knowledge and mm -hmm. being prepared for it. But I think spending a certain amount of time in the Ranger Regiment, I don't know where that time is. Um, but anybody I think that did more than five or six years has achieved that time, maybe, maybe somewhere longer than that, but it really sets guys up for success. I see the guys that, that worked with me. Everyone's out there being successful. I mean, yeah. everyone's being successful. Look at you two guys are there. You're, you're being successful. There's a lot of other guys out there being successful because of that strict discipline that we got grilled into us in the beginning. And I don't think that really exists in most other units. Uh, when you on Tesla or something like the coil. Yeah. Uh, that was a, a, a that was a TV show I did for the Discovery Channel a few years ago. Yeah, that is awesome. I loved it. I mean, I <laughs> thank you. That guy was brilliant. <laughs> I love. And then you were cool in there. Like that was that was awesome seeing a fellow ranger on there. I uh, I learned so much about Tesla doing that show, and it's it's funny you say that because um you you remember of course uh Kapicheski. Um, I had yeah. his, his wife reached out to me at one point and was like, Oh, I watched this show with my kids and like, you're in it. What, what, what's going on here? <laughs> it's really funny to hear those kinds of stories, but uh, I'm, I'm glad you liked it. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. And I saw it and we watched that stuff all the time too. Oh yeah. We love and that stuff. I believe Tesla's about to come out like some more stuff. Some, some about some I hope so. Um, Caleb uh, asks, what percentage of your recon consists of finding, developing sources, and networking within the local population? I'd say um, it, it depends on who you are and where you're kind of at. Um, but I didn't do a ton of that stuff. We had other guys that focused on that stuff. We were trained to do similar, that kind of stuff, but it wasn't like our primary thing. So I did do a little bit of that stuff, but um, 
we did a lot of it in training actually, but in, in real life only did it like on one, one trip as far as like talking to, you know, informants, I guess you could call it, uh, because I wasn't a source handler. So I didn't actually, you know, handle sources. I was going to go to some of that court, that, that training, but you know, that is, that's a whole other rabbit yeah, hole you're diving yeah. in. And I was yeah. kind of stuck on that free fall rabbit hole at that point in time. Yeah. And so, you know, I tried to stay that focused, but you know, I kind of looking back on it, I kind of wish I had done some more of that stuff because there's a lot of, uh, big paying jobs and work out there for that stuff. You, you talked about all the different skills that you guys had to have, but you also just kind of talk about like these rabbit holes. Did you find that guys would kind of geek out about different things and be sort of experts in a way? Like, even though you knew demo, like there was a demo guy because he just lived for it. And there was, you know, yeah. the Intel guy and there was the sniper guy, the sniper guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You had dudes that were kind of rocket know, scientists. Wow. Well, I mean, yeah, we did have a dude uh, on my team. Uh, you know, I'll say his last name, but I'll say his first name. Oh, Fred. Because um, hey, I know he probably get a kick out of him, but the dude's a genius, man. The dude was like, no joke, graduated from like Emory Riddle, I think, with like a rocket scientist degree. But we had guys like that. We had physicists on teams, man. Uh, there was a lot of knowledge there, a lot of intellectual power within that organization. And the cool thing is we had the freedom to use that intellectual power and kind of step outside the box. That's what I thoroughly enjoyed about the mission set when I was there. I don't know how it is now, um, and I'd like to see how the guys are liking it. I'll try to figure that out this summer, but I thoroughly enjoyed it when I was there. And the guys that work there, again, are brilliant. Their minds are just out there. Like So anything that they are taught, they excel in every single thing, like you just said. like. And that's kind of a ranger explosives. thing in general. You know I, mean, what I mean, they're just so good at everything. It's just it's crazy. I mean, it's a, you know, kind of a soft thing in general, but more uniquely a range of things. You know, I work with the SF guys out there and EOD guys, and, and there's great guys out there. But I've seen, you know, I think it's that core discipline that a lot of us hate initially, right. uh, you know, but but it really, it, it's a good thing. And it's a good core thing. And, I, and you know, I was a, a, a butthole about enforcing it when I was rip cadre. Uh, okay. you know, a lot of those guys probably hate me still to this day because <laughs> I was such, you know, such a stickler. But that stuff is what set us all up for success, man. That, that's the key, um, I guess you could say, uh, what do you call it, the uh, cornerstone of the foundation, mm -hmm. I yeah. believe. Ken, growing up in, in Columbus and, and around the, the Benning era, did, did you have sort of a an idea or, uh, yeah, an idea of what the military was like or what soldiers were like that, that changed when you met him and, and the people he worked with? Yes, and I'm not gonna. I'm not trying to offend anyone, but I just thought it was all regular infantry, and they're going over there and, uh, you know, going out in their tanks and stuff like that. I never really thought about the kicking it. I'm sorry. I'm not trying. I'm just being blunt and truthful. I never thought about like the intel part being dropped off in the middle of nowhere, and then like. Thousand, uh, how many miles? Not thousands. I'm so sorry. I don't mean thousands, but rucking in like yeah, forty miles. You know, forty miles with a rucksack and like, or going undercover and looking like you're Hodge. Like, I never thought about that until I met Mike. Honestly, when he talked about it, I thought I thought he was full of crap. <laughs> yeah. You know, I really did until I started being married to him, started seeing this stuff, and then um, I know there's some things that I can't talk about and see that's another thing as a wife you know 
like some things that you can say and some things that you can't say. And there's wives out there, bless their heart. They go straight to Facebook and they talk about things that they're not supposed to know about. So yeah. bless their hearts. Wives get to, you know, they get to hear about certain things that we do that right, right. It, it's not common knowledge, even yeah. within other ranger, you know, with, uh, outside of the company in the ranger battalions. And, uh, you know, they have to keep close hold on that because they, I mean, they live with us. So they're going to know some of this right. stuff. Right. And uh, and I know where she was going with that. And we definitely can't talk about that stuff. But, yeah. right. but, but she, I'd she love to, to one, day, stuff. one day. But yeah, I got to help them with some stuff and study some stuff. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is like James Bond, like movie type stuff <laughs> we're working with. Like, legitly. Like, I think they named him Rambo. Didn't they name you Rambo? Was before I went over there. Well, anyways, he got a little machete or whatever named Rambo, and I just started thinking <laughs> about a, it. I'm like, it's a Rambo knife. Right? I started nice. thinking, God, machete. he just, he gets more and more sexier all the time. And like I said, it is such a privilege being married to a man that can, who's got my back. You yeah. know what I mean? During air, end times, like, I ain't worried. <laughs> How did RRC treat you? Uh, did they bring you in on a lot of stuff? Did they try to make your, your spouse's part? As much as they could, part of it. Oh, uh, no, they were hush hush on everything. On everything. They they don't play around, and like I said, a lot of people, a lot of the guys there were not married. Um, it's hard to be married and be yeah. there. That's the thing. That's, it is, and they're you're gone a lot, and there's just not you don't have time to play around when you're there. You're there to work, and it takes discipline on a whole another level when you're there. So. Um, I'd say that a lot of divorces happen there because yeah. wives aren't patient, but um, yeah, they're secret and you don't really know anything. And I know one of his deployments, he could not even contact me. It was so frustrating. And I was just always worried that particular deployment and um, it just was hard. Yeah. Here's a point though. Think about the world war two veteran veterans or the Vietnam right. veterans. Right. Dude, they couldn't. I mean, this, instant gratification we have with cell phones come on man right. like i could do without it i wish it would just kind of go away because it, it bugs me yeah. honestly because i have to deal with more than i want to but imagine those wives yeah. and from vietnam korea you know world war ii world war one they didn't get to see their their man for like years yeah. so years like now they're getting letters back and forth but those letters are taking you know like nowadays it takes about eight week eight days to get a letter to afghanistan or a package right. Back then, it probably took two or three months, you know, and, and you're talking the transition time. You're talking, you're getting correspondence probably once every three months. Right. You know, you're sending a letter, and then by the time it gets there, they read it, write one, and send it back. You know, they had it so much worse than we do. We had it, we had it easy. We had it freaking easy. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about that. Like, I'm, I didn't have it easy. It was hard for me. Yeah. Just saying. Hey, you had, you had it easy compared to the World War One ladies. Yeah. World War Two ladies. It's not by the World way. War One anymore. It's like. <laughs> the 21st century now well and that's the thing is it i mean we, we adapt to what we know and yeah i mean when guys went to world war ii they were there until it was over and they yeah. might and they might be on the move and who knows when letters reach them where in these wars we were at bases that often they knew where to send them yada 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 but yeah. still i i mean i look i, I understand it was it, it doesn't matter what they went through in world war ii what you went through was equally as hard for you in that moment. Yeah, I mean, right. Mike, Mike, Mike also, what, you probably deployed like a dozen times, whereas the guys in World War II deployed once, came home, and it's yeah, over. Yeah, true story. Yeah, that, and that's the truth, too. Yeah, we did have hardships they didn't have, but they, but they're pretty few and far between. 
compared to what those guys sure. had. We didn't have to endure. Absolutely. But yeah, I mean, the rotation's like cranking out like 18 deployments in 20 years. And, and I miss deployments. There's guys that were in the regiment as long as I have. I've got buddies that are 22, 24 deployments deep at this point. That's crazy. Um, they never missed any. Yeah, probably more than that now. Who knows? Um, but we, we rotated a lot more, a lot quicker, a lot faster. So our training cycles had to be a lot more smooth and quick. So, yeah, we're turning and burning. We're coming back home for six months. And you're fully ready to rock again six months later, which is pretty easy after you've done it a ton. But you think of newer guys trying to come in and swing that six months and then go into combat for the first time. And at the it's time, a testament to the training that we drill into them. Yeah. At the time, all the ladies would be like, no news is good news. And I'd be like, listen, my baby better call me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So yeah. it was, it, that was hard for me being, that's when we were freshly married. It was just, you you learn and you guys, y'all know how to get over there and disconnect. Totally. Just disconnect. Yeah. So yeah, for y'all, yeah. y'all don't have to talk to us. Y'all could not talk to us for a year and be good. Yeah. And, and we game on. We come yeah. back home. Right. So exactly. like, Hey, what's up? I'm back. Oh, yeah. I forgot about yeah. me. I hadn't talked to you in a year. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I mean, so it's a total, it, it takes a hardcore woman. It really does uh, to stay with a man who is of this. Yeah, you know. it really does. And and I know you said there weren't a lot of wives, but was there the wives that there, that were there? Was there a community? I mean, did you have support? No, no. Um, where he when he was in RRC, there was there on his team. There was none. Yeah, we had a couple. We had a couple married guys. But, um, but when she, so when I got married or when I started dating her, I was kind of at the tail end of my time on team three, moving over to team two. So the team three guys really didn't get to really receive her and, and give her that reception. Yeah. And then I moved to team two and like everybody was single. Everybody on the team was single, but well, me, I think one other guy, I think it was one other guy, Mandy, you know, Mandy Bryan yeah. and, you know, and, and those guys, but she had, she had some friends, but. It wasn't as robust as it would be in a normal unit. In a you know, platoon, there, there was yeah. There was but, Not I mean, I didn't nobody ever went to that. It was hard to you know get I mean? information yeah. because of that, too. But when we went to Yuma, Arizona, like, that's an SF community, and I learned a whole lot more things. And the wives were, they did receive me there. Um, it didn't matter that we were Rangers and they were SF or Air Force. Um, so they were they were nice to me there. Yeah. So. Uh, Michael Hendricks uh, wants to know. Uh, he'd love to know what you think about the Taliban recapturing territory, specifically the uh, Baglan province. Oh, Bog Baglan. Yeah. Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that that place has always been a little bit rough. We've never really had a huge presence there. Um, so I mean, it's kind of always been kind of like Indian country. Um, and I, I did a lot of work and stuff in there, but I mean, bottom line is if we pull troops out, they're going to kind of take that space back. I mean, that's just the way it is. And, and you know, we can't keep people over there fighting for freaking ever either. Yeah. You know, like we're just killing dudes and making more bad guys. They're making their children become terrorists and kill them too. You know, we got to end that cycle at some point in time and, and there's got to be another way to handle it. You know, uh, Jim says the U S is transitioning from a counterterrorism focus to a near peer focus. Has RRC trained a role, or uh, do they have a trained role for a more conventional warfare scenario? I have no clue. Um, when I was there, we did not. But, yeah, that, that's not to say they don't now. Mm. 
Sorry, I don't have a better answer to that question. Uh, Andrew uh, asks, what is the funniest story you can share about your military service? Oh, okay. That's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, so I'll tell a couple of them. They're both, they both revolve around a cow. Um, so here we are in Iraq and, and we like, we're, we're ex filling off the targets. We already took care of business. We're rolling out helicopters are coming in. And I, I, I hear this noise and I look over and one of my team leaders, um, and I talked about him in the last video. Um, and he, good guy, but anyway, he, he comes flying by me being drugged by his leg from the tether of a cow. So there was a cow that had been tethered, and when the helicopters came in, it freaked the cow out. He ripped the stake out, and the stake was just perfect enough to where when it went by one of my guy's legs, it wrapped around and grifted itself, and here he goes to his back being drugged by the cow. He's like, oh, my God, and he's trying to cut it, probably cuts himself loose. And then fast forward about five years or so from that, and here I am with uh you know with some navy guys we're in there clearing some rooms you know and it's one of my first time working with the navy guys you know so you like you want to have a good impression like we all kind of like this guy from that you know let's see how this guy performs and if you perform good they, they accept you like a, a brother you know so we're on this mission and we go in there and i'm trying to look squared away you know clearing rooms with the, the the seal team six guys and uh here comes a cow there's a cow in the middle of the courtyard yard and that son of a gun's cutting circles as far as that rope will let him turn, he's going around in circles. But I don't realize this. I'm kind of coming in. I see the cow going around this way. And then I, he comes around this way. I got him on my peripheral over here. And then I see him come back in front of me. And I start feeling something rubbing against my leg. And I'm like, what the heck is this? And I, I go to take a step. And I'm like, uh-oh, I'm tripping on something. Meanwhile, he's already been, made the 360. He's got me straight hog tied. <laughs> no, I didn't. But uh, so... This hog, he's got me hogtied. It's just wiggle, wiggle, <laughs> boom, straight to the ground like the tower of peas, you know, like a, a dang tower that's collapsing. And uh, I just reached out and grabbed my knife, go in there and cut the cord. Now the cow's like running wild on the objective. But it's super embarrassing, man. But that kind of stuff happens. Uh, you know, I've, I've been the fast rope master on a helicopter, had a, a team of rangers, one of my guys, you know, one of my teams, fire teams, and a team of Delta Force guys going out this side. And I'm like, and I was the rope master. I'm like, ropes, ropes, ropes. Dudes go down. I come down the end of the rope, and I'm, as I'm coming down, I see a pile of human beings at the bottom. There was a huge <laughs> puddle of water, and and everybody just slipped and busted their butt in it. And we're like, oh, man, it was freezing cold, too. And I got so lucky. I was the last one. I landed on my feet, and the wind was blowing me, and it just blew me, sliding on my heels until I got to the dry ground. I'm like, hey, what are y'all doing rolling around the mud? Let's go. Let's assault this target. Everybody was kind of, kind of pissed off because they are all soaking wet and uncomfortable. And here I am, somehow, didn't fall in the mud. I just want to know, like, did you ever get, like, nervous or have diarrhea feelings? Nah. That's good. Because, I mean, like, that would suck. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I never really did. It's always, it's like a football game. You know, you got, you, you're you ready to rock. But then after a while, you played so many football games, you're like, whatever. No big deal. Yeah. Oh, yeah and plus, you take your pregame dump. Say that again? Plus, you take your pregame dump. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I always think it's funny. Like, he needs his flip-flops. You know, I got to send him his, his overseas packages or whatever, and you hope that they get there on time. But, like, he needs his flip-flops so he doesn't get in the nasty showers. And, yeah. I important. just go back to the guys that, that's over there. They're really living hardcore. Sometimes. 
Uh, so Zidic says I can call him Drew. Thank you for that. But his question is very, uh, there's a, there's a Zen-like quality to this question, I should warn you. What makes you wake up? What are your new goals in life? How do you make your souls sing? Hey, that's a good question, man. And like, I, I don't know that I'll actually have a good answer for it, but I'll try. Uh, but you know what? Since I've retired, um, and my wife, you know, like always, you know, she's more, I say, involved Christianity wise than I was. And then, like, since I've retired, I've had more time. You know, one of the coolest things I've found out, you know, I just never had the time before I've read the Bible while I was overseas, you know, on deployments. But dude, I've been reading it more lately. Dude, that thing is is mystical, man. It is a it's like a little puzzle. There's like codes in that thing, the past, the and, and, it, and it's amazing, man. And I, I've actually been getting some pretty good enlightenment out of reading that thing lately. And uh, you know, it kind of sets the whole your whole life up straight. And I wish I had that earlier, but uh, you know, I give courtesy to my wife for that because she's the one that kind of drove me in that direction, and and, it, and it's benefited my life for sure. And I'm I'm like I'm like this this baby bird that barely has feathers trying to fly, you know, in that realm. But it's it's been intriguing. I really have gotten some delightment out of reading the Bible lately. And uh, but there, but no, I just try to focus on us and the family. That's what I do. I get up every morning thinking about focus on my family, how I'm going to take care of my wife, how I'm going to take care of my kid, and make their life the best I possibly can, and uh, and spend as much time with them as I possibly can. Now that I was always gone. Was there a point when you retired? Was there a point when you woke up one day and 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 had to like? consciously make that shift and said like when, when you're on the mission and when you're you know you're like this is who i am and then did you wake up one day and say who am i now no not really i mean i had an easy transition because i stopped um I, so i stopped going overseas and killing bad guys right so i go to yuma out there at the free fall school and it was kind of one of the a hard pill to swallow like, man, I'm not going out. And these guys are still going and I'm bad guys. And what am I doing? Being a pogue over here? And living yeah. with me full time. We're trying not to kill each other. Yeah, we we're, get used we're to each trying other. trying to learn to live together for yeah. full time for the first time ever because I was yeah. always gone before. And so that was challenging. And then I finally had to realize, you know what? Um, I have a lot that I can teach these guys. And maybe I, that's my piece. You know, I'm teaching these guys to be better. And so that's how I just thought not stay, still being in the fight. And then when I retired, I rolled right into the same thing I was doing, teaching the free fall stuff. So it was pretty easy. You know, I do kind of miss it, but, you know, I'm, I'm over that at that point. Yeah, I'm over that at this point. But yeah, it was fun, and I was good at it, and I, and I miss it. Um, same thing with the free fall stuff. It was fun. I was good at it, and I do miss it. Um, but I think, I don't know, I think it's one of those things ready to shift gears, you know. You let the young guys have it, right? You're, you're, yeah. You're ready to use my brain instead of my body all the time. Yeah. And, uh. And the crappy thing is my brain's deteriorated worse than it's ever been. So now that I need it, it's like, come on, man. Brain's like hanging out there flapping. You know? No, he's still smart. But we're our goal right now is to be self-sufficient and to make our farm prosperous. That's awesome. So it's It's been really hard because he's been gone. So it's my first garden that I've been taking care of. And I hope he's proud of me. I always live to make him proud of me too. Like that's a hard thing. Like, the accomplishments he's done, I always try to make him proud at the end of the day, like with the little things in life. And like, I know when we used to go on bike rides in Columbus, I don't know if y'all ever been to the rails of trails. Riverwalk. Yeah, the Riverwalk. Um, mm -hmm. We'd always yeah. love riding bikes and stuff. And like, let me just tell you, I, I've always been athletic and like, but I've always been like, I'm going to beat him. I'm like, no, you're never going to beat 
a ranger man like it's never gonna happen so but like i try to begin everything and i'm like god is there anything i can be good at that he'll be like yes you're better than me and it's like haven't found that yet well you guys should like sit people down in chairs and do their hair Ooh. Yeah, I, think I can actually cut that. some hair. I can actually cut some hair. He can do our daughter's hair. It like he brushes it out really smooth, and I just honestly like yank it a little bit because she's my kid, and I'm like, <laughs> girl, you better toughen up. And then like that's another thing. Like you would think that he would be all tough, and like let me tell you, after our daughter, he is wrapped around her finger. This is baby girl. Like it's so hilarious to see him. And he's gonna probably kill me the, for this, but he goes upstairs and plays Barbie with her. How awesome is that? Like, yeah. Hey, she's the coolest kid, man. That kid's the rich, probably one of the richest kids around too. She does her own homework. She she doesn't. We don't even have to tell her to do her homework. She does it her own. And, and he, uh, I mean, I'm she sorry. made all oh, A's, oh. and so I made a really big bet with her because she made a B last year. So I was like, hey, if you make all A's, this year give you a hundred dollars an A. Yeah, she broke. And I didn't really, I didn't realize she had eight <laughs> classes, so she just made eight hundred bucks. <laughs> That's awesome. So I thought it was like four or five classes, but I was like, man, third grade, they got eight classes already. Holy crap! Oh well, I'm committed at this point. So she just got eight hundred bucks. I want to say, like every Ranger kid that I know, like they excel. They're smart. They're brilliant. Um, and our daughter is like a, a runner. Like she can run. Oh yeah, she like, is. So I think she gets that from him. Like, she won every running match and field day this year, pretty much. So there's something about Ranger kids, man. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, mean, I know we're getting kind of close to the end. I know we're probably tight here too, but I would like to add one thing, man. Yes. I think the, kick it, the biggest thing I like to talk about is how like doing stuff in the military and, and being in a special operation it really sets guys up for success. And anybody that's inspired to go out there and do that stuff, um, by all means, if they if some guys hit you guys up, or whatever, reach reach out to me, put them in touch with me, man. I'll I'll help those guys out um, because we need we need young guys to step up and be men these days. We need them to quit being stop wearing you know, your skinny jeans. Okay, it's not cute. Uh, you know, we need guys that actually like real men. You know what I mean to defend our country because if not, the old guys like us, you guys and us, we're gonna have to reenlist if the crap is to fan again. Yeah. So, and I don't want to do that. I'm too old, man. The military doesn't want me, I'll guarantee you. Mike, uh, 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 we got a couple questions, but we'll go through this. It's going to be like the mad minute. We'll knock him out. Um, yeah, no worries. Have you heard of uh, SF-18 series guys going to RRC? Um, not 18 series, because, you know, your, your 18 series turns into, a, you know, whatever MOS you end up being in, in the, the SF. But, the, but it is open to SF guys. SF guys, 18 series guys who have already made it to a team and get whatever MOS that 18 ends up being, um, like 18 Bravo or whatever it is, uh, or, or the you know, their comms guys or engineers. Those guys can come. They're eligible to come. And I don't know that they've had any. You know, it's they, they had a one guy trout when I was there back in the day, and I don't think that worked out that great. But, you know, there hasn't been anybody that I know of since then. But it's open to those guys. It's also open... I believe to uh, to naval special warfare, so like seals, the boat guys, um, Marsoc, Marine Recon, um, and you know, and then all the other organizations within the Army as well. Uh, um, and a guy that talked to that would be a guy named Rob Trumbull. He's a recruiter slash S and T guy there, and he's already hit me up about the last video. He's like, "Man, my phone's blown off the hook now that you did the video." So if you guys are interested, contact that. Guy. Oh, that's he great. Knows. That's great. Uh, T-Bar yeah. says, uh, can my comment on the challenges of smartly employing capabilities like RRC as far as uh, like what mission should you do, which 
should you maybe not do that kind of thing employment i guess you know i mean we can do whatever you just have to have you know the, the guys that were there when i was there the training that we had we were pretty much capable of almost anything um but there were certain things we did a lot certain things we didn't do a lot but ultimately it comes down to then once you have the training you still have the numbers and that's where we were limited at in rrc because we had four to six man teams typically six man team if they're full but they're almost never full so you're limited at numbers then you know so ultimately we could do whatever we wanted to but our limiting factor would be how many guys can we get to do it you know pull up whatever mission mm-hmm. uh caleb says what do you think about the decision to pull troops out of afghanistan you know, I don't know all the atmospherics. I don't know the high-level stuff on that stuff. But, you know, me personally, we got to come up with some other option. You know, we're sending dudes over there yeah. doing the same old thing. SF dudes are going over there leading Indige and getting smoked. Dudes are still dying for the country over there. It's 20 years later. Right. Um, Rangers are doing the same thing. we gotta, we got to shift focus. There's right. got to be, be a more efficient way to do that. And if I had all the DSLs, you know, I could probably figure it out. I'm surprised the guys that are up there aren't, but who knows? It could be more complicated than that. I don't know. All I know is that those people over there, they, they, they live like it was 2000 years ago. And if we left them alone, if the whole entire world ceased to exist, they would still survive. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're going to continue to survive. And as long as we can give something beneficial, I think we should give something beneficial, legitimately beneficial, not this fake stuff that we've been given as a country. Give them some legitimately beneficial stuff to help boost that country and give them something to look forward to. Because that country is beautiful. Afghanistan is anyway. Uh, Alejandro says uh, to me that I mentioned uh, a $100 donation requirement would get me to sing the ballad. I guess he means the ballad of the Green Berets. Uh, how much would one have to donate or we raise for you to let Mrs. Edwards style your hair? Frosted tips, maybe. I mean, look. You don't have to raise anything. I mean, for Miss, Mrs. Edwards to style my hair would be a drastic improvement. Um, so, yeah, no, 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 no <laughs> issues there. Kind of frosted now. Uh, this is just prematurely gray. Okay. Oh, oh, sorry. I thought it was. A- it's not. It's oh, not a. It's, it, curls going on too. I it, love the curls. It's not. Oh, yeah. It's not a fashion statement. It's not a fashion statement. Um, well, guys, I think that's pretty much an episode. Uh, Mike and Kendall, you guys have been awesome. Um, I just want to remind everyone to uh, like, share, and subscribe to the channel. Check us out on Patreon if you want access to the bonus segments. And um, when you say uh, next episode, who's up next episode? Let me see here real quick. Oh, uh, old, fi- old fifth group buddy, uh, Caleb Phillips is coming back for round two. Um, Mike, final thoughts? Or Kendall, final thoughts? Anything you want to say? Yeah. Hi, little girl. How are you? Kids say hey. Hello. Hi. Hi. She's been out swimming in the pool with her cousins. That's awesome. Oh yeah. Thanks for coming on the show today. I'm glad that you can come here with your uh, daddy and mommy and uh, make an appearance on the team house. You're welcome. (laughs) It's super cool. I mean. So, quick question: When your dad plays Barbies with you, does does do Barbies like do room clearing? Do they do they do a five paragraph <laughs> op order? No, not a lot of the time. Usually, he like one time I came home and I had this paper that had like money on it, and he said, "Well, once you get home from school, um, we can play Barbies and count money, like have a store." Yeah, so I took all the fake coins and stuff we had, and I had her practice doing. Come here, princess. Do you want to say hi to a little girl? Oh yeah. Oh, look uh-huh. at there. This is my this is my daughter. Hello. 
She's saying hi to you. Okay, hi. How old are you? Hey. <laughs> Here. Oh, you can't hear me. I'm blonde on my how old are you? Um I'm Ted. Awesome. When's your birthday? Uh May twenty May twentieth. Okay, oh, well hockey's related. Birthday to you, sweetie. Thank you. Uh, it's so um, nice to meet you. What's your name? Um Alice. Oh, that's beautiful. Uh but what's her name? My name's Emily. Tell her to come visit and y'all can play Barbie if she's into it. Um, okay. Yeah, come visit us. And you guys, I don't know if you're into Barbie, but we can do some four-wheeler riding. <laughs> well, she'll we teach you how to play Dungeons and Dragons. I can uh, give you a few Barbies. I still have them. Uh, at our house, I think Barbie has met G.I. Joe. Oh, uh, okay. Swept her off to another country. I can't hear anything they're saying. So. Here, take mine. No, 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 it's okay. Did you get <laughs> it's okay. Well, Can thanks again for having us on, man. And uh, if you guys All got right. any other questions, let us Thank know. Thank you, little if girl. Not, I yeah. appreciate appreciate everything. Letting the ha have the wife on. I know she had a different perspective that probably added some value to the whole thing. Yeah, no, if there's it, it, any it wives out there um, that need to talk or anything like that. Like we all go through things, and to pretend like it's perfect sunshine, no clouds. That's just the ultimate lie. Like you're gonna get. You're going to get some storms. So if anybody needs to talk, I'm here. Thank you so much, both of you, really. And Kendall, you are awesome. Thanks so much for coming on the show and, and lending. Us. It is kind of a family journey, without a doubt, um, this, whole, this whole career, this whole line of work that we're talking about. And like this is, we've never had the wife and the little girl with dad here on the show before. So I'm really glad we were able to we do really this. We really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Thank yeah. you guys, and thank you guys for your service too. Thank you. Yeah, but this video is going to blow up now because it's got them two on it. Mm -hmm. So this thing's probably going to be like all time record high. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I I just I think Kendall, you've really illustrated kind of. I mean, the, you know, people talk about like service, like our service, our service, but really what we do is kind of selfish. It's what we want to do. It's what we love doing. Yeah. Um, right. and at the end of the day. The, the spouses are the ones who are who are left to to hold it all together and keep it all together um and and I think that, that too often you know spouses are ignored in terms of people understanding exactly what it is they go through while we're out living the dream basically yeah yeah I feel that way too but I don't know there's just like I said Christ has helped me and he's kept me strong through this and if it wasn't for him I don't I mean like I don't know where I would be, but yeah. he's kept me really strong to keep on going and persevering through hardships, you know, and I, I, I'm glad I'm, I'm happy and proud of my husband. So either y'all going to be at rendezvous this year. No, no, I won't be down I there. Probably won't. Be. When is it? I think it already happened. No, it's in like June or July. I can't remember. I think you're right. I have no best ranger. I haven't been. I've only been to one Ranger rendezvous in my entire military career that I can recall. Yeah. So I'm going to try to get to this one, hopefully. Yeah. I, uh, I've i only been to the one that I was in battalion. De Niro showed up. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I've only been to one. So I hadn't thought about it, but maybe I will. Maybe I'll think about it. If you do, let me know. I will. 
I will for sure. And y'all are always welcome at our place. Please come check it out if you need to get away, okay? Thank you so much. Thank you so much. We will. Yeah. All right. So I think that's an episode. Thank you take, so much, everybody. Take care, really all three it. of you. Um, thank you so much. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.